gives him a chance to lead. So this CZ kill could be everything. Finally, Zeus, oh! he does something! Looking for a second, he connects it. Oh, and he gets a third as well. Surely he's not going to pull this off. Oh, Terra, the man, the myth, the beast. I really no help, really, but he's still hitting shots. He's already got three. This show, Revenge of By The Numbers, is brought to you by eSportsBet.io. If, if this was Dota, I'd have all sorts of whisper-related material there. Nice. Should get like so, I should get some bonus points for the reference, but then none for doing it on a CSGO show that has no relevance whatsoever. Because bizarrely, that's one thing I always found weird, by the way, is that they've actually never attempted in any context to connect the universes of Dota and fucking CSGO, even though Valve owns both properties. actually a bit weird in that sense, isn't it? But anyway, that's by the by. The point is, just like CSGO, you can also bet on Dota 2 at eSports Bet. Indeed, they're running their World's Prediction Series 2 competition right now, which is a free-to-enter 10 million USDT competition with hundreds of thousands of usdt for first place as i say all the big games there so even though cs goes down at the moment obviously until the 14th of august or whatever it is when the player break ends they're gonna have all the dota 2 all the league of legends all the regions they've got stuff like rainbow six valorant's obviously just finished with vct but if that was running they would running that i mean i guess they'll have the last chance qualifier thing for the upcoming champions or whatever so they've got basically everything all also if you want to deposit actual real money slash real crypto obviously you can only put crypto on the site then we have a link if you've never deposited before it's first time bonus 50 percent up to 200 usdt okay now i throw to assembler yeah assembler picks it up and run welcome everybody to another episode of revenge by the numbers nine number six now number six and uh yeah uh going forward it will be um thorn and i on the show richard lewis is bowing out but that doesn't mean that he's done because we're going to be talking about one of his articles today actually that uh that just dropped Let's just start with some straight fire classic I, grievances, right? Because what's great already, <laughs> Semler, is you've now entered in your third episode. It was only two, actually. It only took you two episodes already to yeah. enter the actual, like, the fucking, the fucking, the Richard Lewis starring verse. And you've just now become a character within that, right? Because it only took two episodes, right? For all the loser morons who, by the way, I have to make this point at this point in time. Because think about this show. Since this show has been running since 2015, one of the cool things about the show actually is you can go back in time and it sort of does document the history of the game like you can see the moment like we talk about certain things and how themes come through over the years one of the maddest things is this similar it's one thing if people just didn't like a show and they were sort of talking a bit of trash like like i'll give you an example i don't ever watch that like, hltv confirmed i very rarely ever get like i watch clips that people link the problem is yeah. i find the show just too long and i'm, I'm just listen there's already not too much content in the world anyway i don't find it particularly fascinating so, so everyone will know i'm not a fan of it but i don't like comment on every fucking episode i don't have like a shit thing to say every week because it's not a big part of my life, similar. The sad thing is this, mate. Be one thing if people just watched By the Numbers and By the Numbers started last year and they were hating on it. There's motherfuckers now, mate, have been talking shit on this show episode by episode for seven years. Seven oh. years! This is like starting to be the title of a fucking historical, like, fucked up racial biopic segregation movie. Seven years as a Redditor shitlord tweeting about By the Numbers. Like, fuck it. It's a video game fucking talk show. And you're still talking about seven years late. Seven years! That's like a fucking prison sentence. That's like you've been sentenced to a fucking gulag. And all you can do is fucking break rocks in fucking gold in matchmaking. And then come over here and go, oh, I better watch the latest 
by the number to bloody hate on it on Reddit. <laughs> like, what's going on with your lives, boys? I know I should think fuck you because you hate us, but what's going on with your lives? So anyway, the usual gang assembler who, remember, it's not like there's any subterfuge. They've been using the same Reddit accounts for like seven years. They all came out and they tried to do the ultimate gaslight of all time. They tried to spin it that like I'm the one that's like sort of disposable on the show. Richard was the essential one. And now that he's gone, it didn't even flame you, dude. It's not even that they flamed you. It's just that now like I'm sort of like an unbalanced or I'm not going to be controlled or whatever. The joke is like the idea anyone who liked Richard's shit was like, I hate that Thorin guy though. Like... Mate, we have to have one of the best fucking overlapped like, audiences of all time, for fuck's sake. And then secondly, like I said, they were all people who were hating on Richard for the last seven years anyway. It's, a, it's like the least good faith argument ever, so whatever. All you need to know is this. As I tried to explain at the beginning of those first two episodes, we ain't doing this show for you. In fact, it's not even like the last edition of By the Numbers. It isn't for the fans. We're doing this for ourselves, you twats. Do you remember paying an entrance fee? Have a look in your pocket. Where's your ticket? Exactly, it's free, you moron. So you don't get anything. To, you don't get any saying it you have no entitlement whatsoever like i could just literally pull my fucking drawers down start blasting the screen with shite right now so not only is it a what you deserve it's be better than anything you can fucking get elsewhere so sit back fucking shut the fuck up or, or alternatively just why give up the habit of a lifetime just go for eight years of hitting on a fucking video game talk show that you mildly dislike but have now morphed that into like i hate them i hate them so much because like, that's the thing i'll never get somewhere it's one thing if someone's like like if someone's just like I don't like this player that's a perfectly fine opinion but the ones who were like I don't like him so I'm going to document everything he ever says for seven years like you're some sort of fucking pervert aren't you I know it's so fucked up it's so that fucked is, up. like that is actually like the perverted level that you can get to I do like however that you you really are um what is it human you know no I was about to say uh like it's not magnanimous charitable I can't you know like you you still wish them good you still wish them good, oh, even yeah. after all of anyway. this. You still wish them good. I mean, that's my flaw in esports in general, Samuels. Like, I should have just quit 50 times over for all the shite they've done to me. But I am the sort of fucking guy who at the end is like, yeah, well, better just be fucking the martyr and save the whole world again. Oh, well, there we go again. Another year, another esports thing. Great, brilliant. Who knows? Then again... It's not, it's not like it's an industry that's cherished me or anything similar. All you need to know is this. I'll tell I'll tell this story one last time because I don't know if it happened this year. I do not genuinely pay attention anymore. Okay, okay. You know those esports awards. This yeah. is, this is this is the esports industry in a nutshell. This story. You know how I was on those awards that awards panel like from the beginning, basically. And you know, I was like, first guys to give context yeah. to the different uh, to the people put up. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I wasn't just a panel member. I essentially would like lead the panel every time I was there because the whole premise was I was supposed to give all the background info. Oh, and the this guy's a daughter, then this player has a player in League of Legends. And half the people there, more than half, and they do the voting, don't actually know anything about that except their own little game, by the way. So if they're from Rocket League, they know fuck all about like CSGO, except maybe like they've heard of Simple or something. So they are going off what you say, by the way. It's really important you have people like me come along to give them the background info. Otherwise, they'll vote for Reddit storylines instead of real people. All you need to know is this. Every single year, Assembler, without fail, because we would actually get when we would on that panel, we would get the actual document of what fans had submitted, like who they nominated. All you yeah. need to know is when you would go to the journalist category, every single year, Assembler, even the year I left, 
They would literally, it would be absurd how many people nominated me and Richard. As in, the pie chart of like all the journalists being nominated would be like, I'm not even joking, like let's say like 35% would just be Thorin or different spellings of Thorin. Then there would be like, say like 25%, 30% Richard Lewis, just that. And then everyone else is just like whatever's left. They're just like, tie, they're like 1%, 1%, 0.5%. Even the most famous ones you're all thinking of, what are you talking about? Travis no, no, they, remember, they weren't even relevant oh. League of Legends. So all you need to know is this, right? That would happen. And then obviously at that point in time, what you're supposed to do with that data, Samuel, this is the very key point I'm going to make here. You're supposed to use that data to tell you like who fans think to nominate. It, so then you can choose like it can inform you but it doesn't have to like for example if they nominate someone who's like inappropriate so i'll give you an example famously brazilian fans would just in every category like write in fallen to like like they'd go like commentate the year fallen because like, they're that stupid mate right so anyway <laughs> obviously for those ones you discount that don't you, you don't put fallen in commentate the year all you need to know is this similar the year i actually quit that esports awards and did that video about how corrupt it was and how woke they don't even nominate me as a journalist anymore even though the fans must be on mass writing me in the panel and the people who do that award show essentially go out of their way to tell the world they don't even consider me a journalist that's the esports industry in a fucking little perfect nutshell right there in it what a fucking rat industry it is it's metal in it what a rat in like, the people at the top that's so gross in it yeah like I'm glad because I was gonna try and go like the other way where there is there has got to be balance because to have the seven year old the seven year old the seven year old uh, the haters who have been going for seven years you also have to have the fucking hardcore fans that have been going for seven years we do have some fucking we have some binder fans on this one and also yeah. you know everybody who's writing into those award shows so it's like that's what keeps you going if if it, in terms of like yeah, creating sure. and all that it's like there are some pretty badass awesome hardcore fans out there who are balancing the whole thing out because they're. You, the brain, the way our brain is wired is to pick up on the negative. Like you can have a hundred comments that are positive, but there's one comment that's negative and your brain just latches onto that one because that's a threat in our world now. It's not about like, you know, oh, I'm going to get punched in the face anymore. It's like, oh, somebody said something mean to me online and that's the threat now in the modern By the world. By the way, I've got a quote for you, work. I've come with okay, homework okay. and everything in it. It's a quarter hit it, hit it, hit it. Here, And this is the perfect time to use it because indeed this is what I have to do. Some this is my only choice. So it was a guy, you can look him up. You might actually know this guy. Was like a, I think he was like an American preacher or something. It was a guy called Fulton J. Sheen. And the quote oh, goes. Yeah, he's one of the. He's, the quote he's is fire. So you ready? The quote goes The only argument the world will listen to now is personal holiness. It has heard all the rest and rejected them. It's true. Essentially, basically, that is what esports is now. You can't ever hope that, like, maybe, like, Esicle rescue us. Oh, maybe, like, Richard can rescue us. Maybe that... Rescue yourself. That's it. That's all esports is. So all you need to know is this. I'm just going to do what I want to do, my way. If you fuck with it, you'll see... You'll be able to see my example. If you don't fuck with it, you don't fuck with it. That's it. That's that's the only way esports is saved. We have to save ourselves, boys. The other one that I really like that actually I think might come from the same sort because like Sheen, uh, Bishop Barron, like they all run in, the, in that same kind of vein. And there's another one where I think it's like um, his name is Cardinal Robert, I think, from Chicago. But he said, uh, you know, we live in a world where everything is permitted, but nothing is forgiven. And so, Very you know, cool. yeah, like, that's a fucking fire quote yeah. when you think about it, because like is the world as well. What's happening yeah. to people? You know, they'll go back years to find something. If you fuck with them enough, they'll go back years to find something to, to try and get you on. Right. So it's like everything is permitted. Right. Especially in today's era where it's just like every degeneracy oh. is permitted. But uh, if you cross the line, ah, well, then that's it. You're, you're not forgiven for anything for the slightest uh, sin in their view. Right. Like you're not forgetting and it will ride you till the end until they can break you or destroy your career or whatever. Right. So we really do live in a weird time where it's just like. Like, hmm, okay. Uh, fun to keep an eye on. Uh, <laughs> how to just tie it all back into CSGO. Let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. But, like, we do live in that weird time now. And we got a few of the topics uh, to go off of on this one. Uh, we can start with, like, the hearsay, I guess, if we want, right Let's off the it. bat. 
which was a, a rumor going around. And it's an interesting rumor given how a lot of us have been talking about how Blast are just never going to touch a major because they just don't have the means to. I still personally think that they don't have the means to, so I'm very curious about this rumor. But I'm not as shocked about the idea of Perfect World getting in on majors. So the rumor that's going around right now, and funnily enough, that was, I think, kicked off on um, HLTV Confirmed. But it was something that they brought up in the sense that Perfect World, which is the Chinese distributor for uh, CSGO, and uh, Blast may be in the running for picking up majors in 2023. Now, this would be a big deal if Blast were able to pick it up. The whole idea behind it was that, A, majors are too costly to run, and you don't make a profit off of it, and you know it's just the overhead is too much. So if you're not one of the big players, the ESL or even the PGL, you're not going to have the funds to run a major, which is why we always kind of said, well, Blast are just not going to jump in because they're... They're in Denmark. It's one of the most expensive places to run a business on the planet. It's one of the most expensive places to live on the planet. And uh, well, you know, you're not you're not uh, in terms of like cost of running events. It's really expensive compared to running something in Romania, for example, the way PGL does. So it always felt like that was what was going to keep Blast out of the run for a major. But like, what do you think? What's your take on this? Like, if Blast actually made the play to run a major, do you think that they would just knock it out of the park on their first go? That's the tough part, isn't it? Because here's the thing, based on what they've done so far, I actually, I'm sort of in the middle on that. I know most people would go one way or the other. They'd either like rave about what Blast's done or they'd be like, they've never won one before. Like if I actually look at all the events they've won, run so far, I think as a general rule, they've got a fairly high like level of consistency of like good production and not many problems. I'm even taking into account the first ever Blast that just never fucking happened on day one, but whatever, that was a, that was a one-off. But what I would say is this, I think the, the, th- the reason why I'm in the middle is this similar. Because I noticed that they're not like a, a company that just goes willy-nilly to any location. I get the vibe that like part of the reason they keep going to that exact same arena in Denmark is because once, just like ESL learned a long time ago, when you oh, yeah. sort of get the fucking pattern of how you run the event in that place and all the like scaffolding and everything, once you get it nailed, just do that again. Don't risk going to brand new places every time because then you're going to have the day when you haven't got the sound set up properly for that arena or you fuck up some other aspects. So I think that would also be the issue for me. Basically, the issue would be where they'd hold it. Because if they hold it in a venue, I think that they could, like, it's like one that would fit their style, fine. But, like, for example, another issue whenever you talk about a major is, like, where's this major going to be held? Because that's part of the concern. Like, for example, here's the part no one thinks about with the perfect world angle, Samla, is the perfect world angle implies they might even hold it in fucking China. That's a real implication. Like, logically, think about it. Because if people don't know, I've worked for perfect world, but not directly. What happened was, as Samla says, they're the distributor of CSGO in China. It's why actually, if people don't know, when I went to an event, I went to the CSGO Asia Championship, like the one that like Navi won in 2018, etc., and then was won by Mouse Sports in 2019. And if you remember, right, this tournament, I went to it because I was hired through PGL. Because what happened was PGL white labeled the event for Perfect World. So I went there with Silview and the guys from PGL, and then they were the ones like hiring for it. But then when you got to the event, it was like a lot of Asians running the crew and all that. And it was in China, like this one was in like fucking Shanghai or something. And basically, it's actually if people don't know, this is what shows that Perfect World are the distributor. You know that jacket that fucking Blair always wears at events, that like cool Counter-Strike jacket? Him and yeah, Moses, Moses have one. Out. I have one as well, actually. Basically, that that was just a jacket that, that was made by Perfect World that they sell as merch in China. So the reason we have it is because we went to that event. Blair was at that event, obviously. So that's why we even have that jacket. It's why that, that Vu guy asked for it. I know, and I think maybe was it Blair sent it to him because it's like a tiny one he got or something. So anyway, the point is, like, I actually think the premise of both of these, I think it's very likely Perfect World gets one because 
because if you just look in Dota 2, they have done tons of fucking events in Dota 2, because obviously China's like the shit in Dota. If you don't know, they're like the Koreans of Dota, as it were, if you know, like yeah. StarCraft and other games. So basically, they've done tons of events in Dota, and they've been allowed, by the way, even though, spoiler, Perfect World were the ones who ran that fucking Shanghai Major that Too Good got fired from, because nothing was going on, you know, like, they've done tons of ropey events, boys. Like, I've been at events where, in CSGO, where t mega talents were just screaming in face at Perfect World people, like, what are you doing? This is unprofessional as fuck. So that implies to me, by the way, that, like, it isn't about, like, quality with them. It's just they're squared away business-wise. Like, they are the people you have to deal with if you want to go to China. So I would be very surprised if they didn't at some point. I think they're the perfect people to have the dodgy Chinese money come in and get a fucking massive major. And if you know Valve, Valve are never going to address the issue of China and anything outside the game. That is just clearly the way their bread is buttered. That's the reason why Dota 2 players can say different fucking racial slurs if they are from China, that area. You don't know how many... If you're not from Dota, by the way, all these references I'm saying are absolutely famous stories that just show how fuck that scene is. You guys just don't know, because luckily in CSGO, we don't have a lot of influence in China. It tends to only be like dodgy match fixing and if Tai Lu goes to an event, basically. So anyway, to bring it back, on the blast angle, the problem I have for them, and we can actually tie this to a bunch of other stories we can talk about in a minute if you want. The oh, main yeah. issue for them always was the finances, because what people don't seem to get is this. ESL is essentially, if you want to use like geopolitical terms, like the hegemon. They are the ones who rule the scene and everyone else to some degree must have a relationship with or battle ESL. So that means if you're ESL, you've got the scene on lockdown. You know your events are going to happen no matter what. You can be on top for now. If you're someone like Flashpoint, people bought into your league. You had that thing. Blast is in the middle. Blast doesn't really have like a guaranteed place in the scene. They have partner teams, but then again, like are their events as big as the others? So the problem Blast's always had is to make its next evolution from like circuit to real competitive ESL, they've always needed a cash injection. Remember, if people don't know, ESL was trying to... MTG, the company who owns ESL previously, were trying to sell ESL at the beginning of 2022. I forget if it was Do You or one of the other ones. One of those Chinese streaming services, if you remember. And, or, they were all called silly names like that. Basically, they were going to sell them because at the time, if you ever looked at the financial reports, they were losing something that like 40 million euros a year or something running like ESL. It was ridiculous. Like, some absurd amount. And in fact, famously, even in this budget, I remember, they'd actually put in as an loss already the amount they would have needed to cover all the fucking Louvre agreement teams and all their minimum payout and all that shit. So it was even all factored in. So if you know that ESL loses money like that and then Blast's literally outperforming them in production and paying higher rates sometimes, then they're obviously in deep shit themselves. And that means they'll be, in fact, you can go and check the financial reports on Blast. They also lose millions every year. So the key thing for me, one of the areas I think this topic's so dirty in is half the reason why they can't have a major is because of what we, absolutely we, me and others in the scene, what we all did to this company Blast over the fucking Neom shit, the way we dragged them over the coals and we basically like forced them to give up that enormous cash injection and then we turned around, I didn't, this is where I'm separate from this, you're all still in it, I'm separated now, then you all turned around and went, oh, that would be immoral for us to work with you if you were sponsored by that company. But if the same people behind that company just buy ESL, fuck it, I'll just, I won't do anything to ESL. I won't boycott them at all. So you can see, if you are blast, by the way, you're just between a rock and a hard place. Like, you're in such a tough spot. Like, essentially, you can just be crushed in so many ways. You need help. You need sort of a bridge to get to wherever you want to be in a few years. Because the other thing about blast I worry about, Sam, it's the other reason why I heard maybe they wouldn't run a major, is when you've run a business like they have, and as I say, they're fairly unmoored. They don't have a guaranteed space in CSGO. 
score. In fact, if these teams just didn't care anymore, I think they could be dead tomorrow. Like, there's a world where in a couple of years they just don't get any more funding and Blast will just close down. I know fans don't get that because they're like, but they spent all that money. Like, when people in business are sick of losing money, guys, they just stop. They don't throw good money after bad. Like, so there's a world where Blast, I think they either have to level up the next couple of years or I think they go away in the next couple of years, mate. That's my take. They had, uh, I think, like, the one thing that I was talking about when Blast, last round they took, I think it was 12 and a half million they raised in 2020. Uh, and that was the last round uh, that they that they took. So it's like okay, but then they were also in the hole for something like twelve million last year in uh, in either twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one because they were investing so much in their new studio and this this new uh, campus almost where they were really spending money to try and actually make it so that they can have like a home base in Copenhagen. So they raised a lot of money. They also spent a lot of money, but also I think their main investor is like the Danish like the the Danish state essentially where they're getting a lot of money straight from the Denmark, straight from Denmark, essentially, um, to support. Because Denmark is like mega progressive when it comes to esports and gaming and all of that. They give a lot of support to the students. They give a lot of support to schools. And they give a lot of support to uh, companies that work in the space. And so I think that was where, you know, Blast were like leaning. And so myself, cynically, at the time, I was just saying, well, it's going to be kind of hard for them to die if they've literally got the government backing them. Because at that point, it's just like, oh, you, you make a case for it in the future. And government programs, there's nothing more permanent than a government program. And it looks like they've just got some different Arabs themselves anyway by the sounds of it. it looks like they're just partnered with a different set of people the ones from abu dhabi right hey they're yeah exactly that's the thing that so that's that's like what brings it all together because that's what destabilizes the whole thing and i spent a bunch of time this week trying to figure out if there was any information publicly available on what this three-year deal is and so that's a different topic from like the speculation about the major and all that because yeah, yeah, the sure. speculation around the major is that you know, we're so used to ESL getting it, face it, getting it, you know, I mean, E-League, whatever. We're so used to those companies getting the majors and we always kind of put Blast aside, but it may very well be the case that Blast could be running a major next year. And then you have to wonder if that major is going to be happening somewhere in, uh, in the Middle East because of this next bit of news that we're going to yep. talk about, but also that, yeah, perfect world, China, you could have a major in Shanghai or something like that. And that's a whole other can of worms because by the way, as an aside, I mean, I'll, I'm going to travel to China this after topic, the last so two years. Oh, I'm never going to China ever. Don't worry about that. But basically, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to do a video on this exact topic and set the table straight. But basically, if you're a fan and you've been wondering about my disappearance from the majors, Blast running a major might actually be one of the few people I would consider working with. So actually, if you if Blast gets a major, there's a world where it's not even impossible I do another major. We'll see. But then do you, like, that's the thing, man. It's like, but then I think... So this next bit of news, so that's the speculation on the major, and that could be like, you know, going to work with Blast for sure. They're not ESL. They're definitely not ESL. They are the underdogs. They still are. Even if they have like 20%, 30% of the market on CSGO now, they're still the underdogs, right? It's very much an ESL-dominated space in CSGO, and Blast is kind of just hanging in there. And you're right. Blast did get fucked over. They had the Neom deal first. They gave up the Neom deal due to public pressure, and then and then who, lo and behold, who comes behind them and actually goes ahead and snags that Neom money? It's ESL and face it. So I was thinking about this this morning where I'm like, I may cut some slack to ESL on this point just because they're owned by MTG. And so who knows how much autonomy ESL actually have in the deal because MTG are obviously just going to be looking to get as they've been trying to sell ESL for years. They've been trying to get, a, get some kind of return on that investment. And so they may have been, and they clearly were just looking for like the, anybody to buy it at that point. They were going to China, they were going everywhere to just find a buyer. So I don't know how much. ESL had it to do with like knowing where they were going, but I, but the same question goes to face it. Like, how, did they know like uh, when they merged with ESL? Was this all part of a big package plan that uh, they were going to get that they were signing on to to work with the the uh, United Arab Emirates because that's where the money's coming from. This AD Gaming um, 
this AD gaming brand, Abu Dhabi gaming is essentially the umbrella that's being put together by, um, a company called 2454 Abu Dhabi that aggregates the Emirates drive to build a thriving gaming and esports ecosystem. So it's, the, it, they're just making an umbrella in the uh, Arab Emirates where they're just going to make this big company. It's going to act as an umbrella. It's going to bring everything in and they're going to try and make a hub out of that space out of Abu Dhabi and blast have just said, okay, fine. Neom screwed us over. Where can we go? Because ESL have now shown that the, the like enough time has passed for the community to just, what give up or not act outraged or because it's ESL doing it, it's fine. Or, or for whatever reason, ESL and face it's it, right. it was such a big yeah. deal and it's ESL. So if you boycott ESL, you basically boycott CS like ESL just blazed the trail. And so blast are kind of like in their wake, just following along and saying, okay, fine. If you guys are going to do it, we need to be able to survive too. So either you buy us and, and you, I thought that would be a part, a part of the offer to be I fair. Was, I thought there the was a world where they just buy it and make a pure monopoly. Yeah. Like, how do you not, uh, exactly. How do you not make the appeal to monopoly at that point where it's like, Hey, by the way, you know, like you have ESL, you have face it, uh, DreamHack is ESL. Uh, you, there's no other real major player. Like we play are just running the Academy league. They don't really have any move to make a big, you know, tier one event yet. So like you're only dealing with blast left to have a monopoly on the scene. How are you not just coughing up the extra dough to get blast? That's that's the one that really bugged me about the whole thing. Like, why aren't Blast getting bought? And so Blast have basically just gone to the cousins of uh, of the Neon guys and said, okay, yeah, we'll go with you. So they've signed. So that's the thing. Like, the World Championship will be hosted in Abu Dhabi at the end of the year. But the real juicy bit of information that just keeps getting looked over, that gets looked over. I've gone through all these articles. It's all the same thing. Clearly, there was just like an accepted. Yeah, that's the one downside, by the way, fans. If it's in Dubai, maybe I'm not at the major. I'll just okay. say that. Yeah, fair enough. But that's the thing. That's <laughs> the thing. Is that component? Yeah, true. No, that's that. the thing, dude. Because in all of these, in all of these articles that I've been able to find, it's pretty much the same thing, word for word, and they all just mention a three-year deal, and then they just keep coasting. There's no right. information on the three-year deal that I can find publicly. So what's the three-year deal? Like, what's going on there? Is it a massive financial support directly to Blast so that they get the incentive to come over and build events out in the uh, in the Emirates? Or is it just uh, is it just this company, this AD Gaming, that's paying for only events that are happening in Abu Dhabi? Does the support go further than that? Is that what's allowing Blast to actually host a major, make a bid for a major? Because now they've actually got some serious financial backing in these guys. Because as far as I know, you know, Blast, they're making plays, but they're running on fumes. They don't have big bucks to throw around and start, you know, throwing their weight around. Maybe these are the guys that actually allow them to start making plays for majors and, and maybe ramp things up and be an actual. But then why would they want to be, uh, would they want to be? Do you think that they would want to be competitors to ESL at that point? Because then it's like, isn't it tomato, tomato in that whole region? The you know, they're all cousins, essentially. The part I think people are really missing is this, Sam. It's like, you know, when people complain like, oh, why don't they just put a few layers of abstraction? Like, just put a few shell companies between ESL and the Saudis. Then it's more like, you know, well, money moves around the world and eventually it's all going to come through everyone's hands. This is where people have missed a fundamental premise. You know why it's called sports washing? Because you intentionally are using the sport, the thing people like, to wash the thing that is considered dirty and profane. So in this sense, the people who you consider the evil money men. So you do it intentionally that you want to connect the two quite publicly. And it's, you want an association to be formed in people's minds. So basically what people don't get is this. 
Are these people evil, dodgy, like unethical businessmen, immoral? Like, of course, that's why they're buying in, guys. The reason they're buying, the good news and the bad news is this. The bad news, guys, is you know how for all those past three years, you've all ignored what I've told you about the business of Counter-Strike and how much players cost and how the buyouts are too high and the salaries cannot ever be sustained and everyone's just losing millions and even orgs leave the game for Valorant and for Call of Duty and for every other fucking game except CSGO, even when they're legendary orgs at Cloud9 that have won majors. When I tell you about all that and I tell you... People don't want to be in business in CSGO if it's going to be the way it is. You all go, ah, it just sounds like sour grapes to me. Sounds like someone was involved with Flashpoint and it didn't work out. I'm fine with ESL. ESL's totally fine. Everything in ESL's great. Well, spoiler, that's the reason why nobody wants to put any money in CSGO. You just throw money into a pit. So as a result, that's why when you guys go, oh, PGL gets another major, but their sound sucks. Yeah, they're the only ones who want a fucking major, you idiot. There's barely anyone actually wants one. Like ESL even shows you, we can just run kind of eats in Cologne without it even being a major jokes on you dickhead it's still a mega event we don't even need it to be a major we don't have to get involved with Valve's bullshit so that point essentially Sam the question becomes who would want to lose money running a major either you do it because you want to show off like your production's amazing and sell your product that's a reason Blast could do it but the other reason to do it is the sports washing angle it's so that you hold a giant tournament that's a considered a world championship you get to be in these cases in like you can even hold it in the host city of whatever fucking Arabic countries sponsoring you and bought you out etc and then you hold it there and all the fans go wow I love insert name of country it's so progressive compared to what I had heard and there we go your master your pay masters got what they paid for so the point the problem is this is the downside of the business of esports and how it's been scaled up is the only people in the current world who will unfortunately just throw money away are people in this case who had dodgy money to spend and they're doing it for as like they don't need to make money back what they're yeah, buying is respect they're buying status in, in society. They're even sort of buying a shield that we won't criticise them for other things. Like, have you noticed that? This is what's so dirty about esports, in my opinion, is the same people who now won't say anything about ESL would have, by the way, if this was like a company bought into a game they don't work in. But now that company is, these companies who bought ESL, they're protected now. They've essentially got like hush money by just, the joke is because people know they won't be hired. That's what's paid you off in a way. Because there's going to be more of this. Think about it, right? Because I've, I've told this story before, Sam. I once said as a joke, it was a joke, though. I once said on Twitter like 10 plus years ago that if you want esports to get huge, because I understood this premise that in the early days you need people to ship money in that's you're never going to get money back. You need people who can just waste money because it was like bad money anyway. So my joke used to be we should just advertise esports as the ultimate money laundering exercise. So my joke was we should get Eastern European pimps, North African gun runners, and South American drug lords and we should just tell them you bring your 10 million in you host your massive shitty TI and then out comes your 7 million there we go for all the skins and that and then there we, there's your money like I used to joke though it's like some fucker was just listening it's like fucking Ralph Reichardt came out like Biff fucking out of Back to the Future like you went back in time machine and heard me like write that down it's a fucking brilliant idea what's that North African gone South American I didn't hear the third one but whatever it, Muslims or something yeah right so yeah it's like what the fuck is this shit like so yeah that's that, there's going to be more of this coming to esports like it's also the reason that people don't know why China's bought everything because again now we can never say anything about China, can we? We're all yeah, LeBron James now. Really grim. We're all LeBron James now. That's the real. That's the one that's really grim, and uh, it just actually just made me think about uh, searching for something because I was curious actually about like shocks. Did shocks tweet anything when the neon thing went down with League of Legends? Did she? 
Oh, I'm um, almost certain she will have because all the staff on LEC like collectively didn't work. I don't know if she did like yeah. a public tweet, but I know collectively behind the scenes they did like a boycott. So I, maybe there's a chance she did. Ross and LEC casters criticized the league's new partnership with Saudi Act. See, that was the thing. I, I didn't get around to actually being able to check this out real quick. What's the mechanism you're looking for here? Well, what I'm looking for is just, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's just to see if there was, if, if there's been a change in like shocks just comes to mind as like the one that was, uh, that carried over because I mean, it was the LEC broadcast oh, that won't say yeah. anything about Hong Kong yeah, and Taiwan and won't say anything about China, sure. of course. But as soon as the neon thing came out, they were all up in arms about neon and all that. Sure. And so then I was curious about, you know, shocks trying to make that transition into CS doing more CS events and whether or not, you know, she's fine taking that, that neon money basically from ESL, because that's what it is. I don't know if she ever publicly made a statement. I think she made, I, I, I don't know, you know, if that's, the, that's what's, yeah. what's going on or not. And, at the same time, it's just a curiosity. It's not even yeah, like yeah, a, sure. a weird statement about it. Where it's like, "Oh, shocks must burn now." It's like, eh, I don't know. If you're gonna, if you're going to exist in that riot space, you you got to strap in because uh, you're not allowed to say a, a damn thing. It's yeah. I mean, they're uh, more scared of riot than they are those countries. It's like riots actually even worse in that sense. Yeah, like well, then what we talk well, about. This now. is why everybody, you know, the, as soon as you say it time and time again, especially on the talent side, is why I never understood the reason why talent would want a monopoly because it's just your limit your options as soon as there's a monopoly in place take riot for example or even blizzard with their other titles starcraft 2 and overwatch league etc you know it's like you are completely screwed if you say anything that that goes against the party line that's it they can pull the rug out from you they can fire you tomorrow and then you've got no recourse you've got nowhere else to go there's not like there's a competitor that you can go to and say like oh i'm going to cast your tournament instead it's like no it's a monopoly there's no other league there's no other tournament you're screwed that's it done so that's why you see a lot of these riot people you know like they don't they'll they say whatever the current thing is, they never say anything spicy. Because if they do, that's it. They could lose and they're out of a job completely. Whereas in Counter-Strike, well, once upon a time, now ESL and Blast are pretty much like the they have they have a it's you're either working with one or the other or you're not working at all. Uh, so it's kind of in the same sort of scenario that we're getting towards. But like yeah, we're you know that's something that if someone's a newer fan, like because obviously there's gonna be casual fans similar who've only seen maybe the online era of Counter-Strike, like they've only seen the last few years, maybe they only know the Blast ESL era. If you don't know, if you go, I'd say pretty late as well, dude. I'd say until about 2019, there was like a solid, I would say maybe 30, 40% of the calendar was neither Blast and ESL. It was all the other events. There was the Star Ladders. There was the smaller ones. There was tons of small events. There was these ones in China, like CSGO Asian Championship and PGL events. Like There was like a solid little side market because essentially what Semler's talking about is this is one of the reasons I was able to do some of the things I did in my career and make the statements I did but still work. is because I could go and work the rest of the circuit. Whereas if ESL, think about it, if that kind of Itza thing had happened and ESL was the only game in town, that would be the end of my entire broadcast career, wouldn't it? Would have just been over a second of events in personal perspective from the caster perspective, right? It was the only way we were able to raise our salaries. Because if you have a monopoly, that's it. Either you, you make the argument and either you get a raise or you don't. But if you have competition to go to, all of a sudden I can say, well, the, you know, there's competition for your time. And so you can say, well, you know, I could do this event for X amount, but are you willing to pay X amount? Or you just keep going up and up and up until you reach that ceiling where, okay, now you've reached the point where nobody wants to pay anymore. And so, but because you have the option to, 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 to barter or, you, or to, to, to negotiate between different tournament organizers, you can actually negotiate for more money. 
So from a caster perspective, having competition was a terrific thing because it actually allowed us to get paid more. Everybody who's getting paid the amount that they're getting paid now is literally, that's because of all the work we were able to do and actually go between TOs and raise the rates. Otherwise, if it was just a straight up lol monopoly, like the lol casters couldn't get shit out of Riot until they came and talked to us. And then they found out like, wait, these fucks are making how much? Wait, and then they and then they went back to Riot and Riot eventually caved, even though they didn't have to. Riot could have just been like, yeah, you're getting paid that much. Fuck off. Like, what's your problem? Like, what are you going to do about it? You don't want to work? You don't want to work? Go away. Like, Riot could have literally just said, actually, no. But they did They did actually end up paying a bit more, as I hear. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you know, they actually did end up pay, paying a little bit more. And that was all, that was due to Monty as well, I think, who yes. had a big role to play in that whole thing, that fiasco. Yeah, yeah. But... It isn't. It is interesting to see how this is playing out. You gotta. You gotta feel. For, I mean, I'm really curious though about just where whether or not we're going to get any more details on this three year deal with uh, Abu Dhabi Gaming and Blast. What kind of support it is? Are they getting a, like? How are we going to get this kind of? How are we going to get this kind of information? Just to have a better picture of what Blast financials are, and uh, and where they stand. Um, because right now it's, it's, it kind of actually really destabilizes things in terms of like the, what the, the, the biosphere of CSGO, like how things work, the, the environment in CSGO, like you kind of have an idea of like where face it are, where ESL are, and you had an idea where blast are, but now there's a change that's come through. That's kind of makes it difficult to get a read on like, is there more artificial money coming in? That's going to make it even more difficult to predict like what the CS scene is going to look like, uh, in another year or two. Right. But that kind of, uh, that kind of, uh, you know, that was like the big, I think probably the, one of the bigger pieces of news. And it was cool that Richard released his article about it. So if you haven't had the chance to go and check that out, definitely go and check that out on Deserto. Uh, human rights violations are a blast named, uh, <laughs> he keeps getting, he keeps dropping the bombs at the names. You know, my favorite shit criticism that Richard's columns like this always gets is when people go like, ah, I wish he'd just st- stick to the facts and not insert his own commentary. It's like, that's the whole thing you're reading. You fucking imbecile. You're not reading just like a human computer who drew in a bunch of data and filtered it through an algorithm. And went, there you go, sir, here is X, Y, Z. You are reading one of the greatest experts to ever work in the industry with thousands of sources and decades of experience Take that information, filter it into a narrative that he is able to understand and interpret for you, a fucking lackey peon pleb moron who has none of that information and perspective and insight. And at the end of it, you just go, I don't want to know his opinion about politics. And meanwhile, he's just telling you like about the most evil people in the world and how we have to battle them and like the spiritual fucking war esports is in like people are, people really don't deserve that. That's the thing I've learned years ago is people that don't is deserve actually one of the top comments, isn't it? Like, why is it such a big deal? Oh, you know, it's, it's bad money anyways like why shouldn't esports go the way of sports because you notice that's the, the main thing that they do and richard brought that up and uh it, it's in the um it's the 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 oh shoot it's it's in the article of that's been released a bunch by them where the uh the the blast representative is like well you know the ufc f1 and nba they do it too guys it's just like <laughs> at that point that, that, that's the thing do we just want to be sports do we do we just want to go down that path or is there another path possible for us because we exist on the internet once so upon a time how fucked that angle even is because that is the angle they use similar that's by the way that would even be the first angle that people like esl would tell you in person if you said like well, how can you do this they would just be like what are you talking about this is how sports works like this is the way the world works now similar can no one hear how demonic that fucking pact that you just made there is like you go oh 
Um, yeah, my only problem with this um, gaming company is that um, the people you're working with uh, murder and kill people and uh, sometimes along like genocidal lines. And then you go, yeah, but um, everyone else is doing it. That's like some like fucking Serbian level shit thing of like, kill this kid. Oh, but wouldn't it be more wrong to kill a kid? Everyone else has killed it. Oh, well, fucking hell, I wouldn't want to be weird then. Like, what are you, do what are you doing, guys? <laughs> you know, hey, oh, demonic, that voice is like, everyone else is doing it. Don't you want to be sports? You want to be a real boy, don't oh, you? Like, this is so dark, man. Dude, it's... It's so fucking dark, especially if you look at the last couple years, dude. Everybody else is doing it. It's just like, well, there you go. Let's see how far down the path we can go with that. Examples of everybody else is doing it, you know, where that leads us. It's like, fucking hell, guys. We deserve whatever happens to us at this point, pretty much. Like, that's that's going to be the reality of it. But I mean, I that is here's the other reason I hate that fucking angle assembler. Because you know what, Semler? Think about this for a second, food for thought. Imagine the energy that that guy's putting out. The guy who's like, well, why does it matter where the money comes from? Imagine that happy-go-lucky, light-hearted, not-too-serious vibe. Imagine if I'd actually experienced that for 20 years. That's what fans were like. So you know what, Semler? Thorin did a tweet. What do you know? It's only a tweet. I mean, we're taking money from literal murderers. Why would a tweet be a big deal? It's no big deal. Let's all continue on with our day. Oh, Thorin said he thinks a player's overrated. Well, you know what? That's just an opinion about a video game player. It's not like he's murdering people which we are allowing murderers into the scene so let's just continue on let's not make a big deal out of it shall we oh what's that thorin did or didn't get hired to an event well i mean it's just at the end of the day a guy working his dream working at an esports event in a video game that's not like murdering raping killing people having genocidal thoughts about people so at the end of the day we wouldn't want to take it too seriously or attack him or make a big deal or maybe say you should like never be able to work in the space don't belong in the space because that's more language that would be appropriate for checks notes people who murder people or rape them kill them along yeah. genocidal lines like this is this is why you are the fakest industry of all time because I'll tell you why because on the one hand people like Frankie Ward are like the ultimate princess in the pea like oh I can't possibly sleep if one person ever in their th head thought a different meaning of a slur than I think the slur means but then the same person you go what, what do you think Frankie about all these people who want to murder everyone just go look I'm not someone who has to just give my opinion about everything in the scene. Like, why am I being put on the spot? Like, I'm just a fucking video game player. But, mate, we wish you just were. We wish you keep that energy so you can get the fuck out of our face with all your shite. Because that's what I hate, Semler. The same people who were like, what's the big deal? Everything else was the biggest deal of all time. Like, when day one of the major starts and the sound fucks up once, you'd think the whole world was melting down. They're like chicken little, aren't they? Like, oh my God, the major's all failed. Cut everyone, fire everyone. Valve, hire a Martian to run the... Like, people always overreact to everything. But then at the end, as I say, when you go, shall we accept money from the devil? They go, he's working with everyone else. He is a good backer. Like, you know, he's got a good credit line, Semler. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Look, guys, if, if you want to make it in the business, he's made a lot of people, celebrities, you know, like Elvis. Yeah, he was behind him. And, like, give me a break. It's so ridiculous, isn't it? They're so shameless in esports. Because as I say, imagine what a cakewalk my career would have been if people didn't have any energy for getting outraged about minor things. Like, they, it'd be a fucking dream, wouldn't it? But it wasn't like that at all, spoiler. It was the opposite, obviously. It was the opposite. It's always the opposite, actually. That's one thing. That's kind of the rule of thumb, is that we just live in the opposite world right now. You just reminded me something, though, actually, that I was kind of wondering about. And it's kind of hard to to, to figure out this, this information is... Um, PGL claims that you can run a major and make a profit now. And so that's Ooh, that doesn't sound plausible though. It doesn't really. sound plausible unless 
the sticker money has gotten to a point once again where it is it is just cranking dough. At which point, it, it depends on like the negotiation of. And did uh, they the, get some of that money know, for oh. the actual event though? Pardon me. Does like the TO get money from the stickers though? But that's the thing. If the deal has changed, because I think in the past, you know, you would get you would get money, but then costs were still so high that it didn't. You right. didn't. You you'd maybe break even, or you're still operating at a loss. It still costs money to run a major, right. and so that's why it's always been like prohibitive to even get involved because you still have to have the money to run the damn thing. But uh, if if what PGL says is true, and again. Keep in mind, PGL specifically, strategically is set up in Romania to make sure that their their running costs are as low. Slow, yeah, of course. It's not like running. That's always been one of the things with uh, you know, like oh, our blast going to be able to run it. It's like, dude, to run events in Copenhagen, it's prohibitively expensive. Everything costs. There's another thing oh, people are thinking about similar. In the same time as Blast stays in fucking Denmark, having that as their base of operations, the last few years, in fact, during the Blast period, was when the ESL moved everything to kind of eight say for the same reason to crush the right. margins. So as a result, think about it, fan. What you have to do is think about a set amount of money. That means that when Blast spends a hundred thousand, think how much of the hundred thousand first goes to like paying the labour and the fucking costs of the venue. Meanwhile, right. ESL just saves a whole load of that and then has the same hundred k to spend. Yeah. That's the thing. That's why you're going to Poland. That's why you're going to Eastern Makes Europe. Makes sense. Somewhere. Yeah. That's why, um, you know, Star Ladder has been able to exist. The joke forever. is, what they did is this similar. When they try to change the direction of these companies, they actually now take my whole rant from Unfiltered back in 2014. But they spin it. They put the pitch up a little bit so I sound a bit more upbeat and they put some happy music behind it. It's apparently a pitch. They're like, it's some of the worst countries in Europe. It's come on over. Like, they're all bloody racists and heathens. Like, they're probably, they went for fuck all. Come on over, guys. Like, and then now it's like a silver uh -huh. pitch where they're all moving all the workers out there it's great yeah exactly yeah, hey, this time we are. even take all the parts where i was like look it's not as bad as ukraine they're like oh, i don't want to live in poland like yeah but it's not as bad as ukraine like i oh, thought it makes a point there oh, this guy was good why did we ever fire him like it's now it's our commercial yeah oh <laughs> 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 uh, shit all right do we want to right, let's pivot let's let's get into something else here well let's actually let's talk about uh let's talk about our boy uh, Nico de Pimp, spoiler if you're a fan of By the Numbers, this is going to be some classic. Like, you're hooked into the main vein of the show right now. I don't go on. <laughs> we're just gonna pivot hard. Another classic, another another favorite of the show. Yeah, Nico. Uh, well, apparently, Pimp came through and uh, he took the bait. He's reading too many HLTV threads, according to Nico, because uh, Pimp thought that perhaps there was this whole narrative that Tabson would be joining G2 as the IGL instead of Alexi B, and that Tabson could be the one to keep. Uh, a hand on uh, Nico to keep Nico under control, right? From uh, from freaking out. So uh, let me hear your thoughts on this one, man. What do you what are you thinking of uh, this whole angle that uh, tap? Hey, well, a hey, already just the taps and taps into G two. Like, where does that even come from? Yeah, the problem I have with that is because people will have seen already that like Tabs and, and the others have already from the big team been like baiting this on Twitter and trying to tweet. Is, but the way they're tweeting, if you don't know, is the way people always tweet when it's a fake story. It's not happening. Like you do it like oh, expect, you'd expect it. Like, whoa, big things happening next week. And then you have a guy go like, oh, I can't. Good luck. Like the problem, is you just, yeah, the problem is you just almost let's think it the other way around, guys. Very rarely, very rarely someone did that and then it could not be true. Most times it's nonsense. Now, the problem I have with this story is I've never heard anything behind the scenes about these players, A, leaving big, but more importantly, at least for years now, more importantly, going to G2. Like I told you on the last episode, the stories I heard was like G2 gets like 
Maybe they get JKS. Maybe they get Alex as their IGL. Obviously, he's not in Fnatic anymore. He's benched, isn't he? Like, these are the angles I heard of. So, personally, first of all, the story doesn't sound legit to me. If it turns out to be that I don't have the source on that one, I'll be very interested. But all I'll say is it's very rare that this case like this come up and I've never heard anything. So, already, I do think it's nonsense. But here's the problem. I actually think Nico, I don't think he even did this, like, cunning-wise, because he's not actually a super cunning person, but he doesn't have a lot of guile. He's just brilliant at CS. I think, I don't think he actually, here's the funny thing, Samuel. Technically, his tweet is actually genius because it has the plausible deniability he could just be claiming you're reading too many threads in terms of that's not a move that's going to happen that could be the get out right but I don't think that's why he's saying that I think when he says you're reading too many HLTV threads he means because Pimp took the angle the classic angle of like someone will be able to battle Nico and tell Nico to shut up and unfortunately if you've noticed for Nico and his friends Yanko Kassad his whole fucking circle they cannot get over that fucking moment from E-League season 1 with him and Chris J when he told Chris J shut up now here's the problem this is why they can't get over it but it's actually a microcosm of all of Nico's problems because here's the issue in technically if you look at the context of that scenario Nico was the in-game leader of Mouse Sports a lot of people don't know that at the time he was the in-game leader and the star player and Chris J in theory was talking about something from the last round and Nico's trying to call in freeze time the strap for the next round now if you say in that setting essentially I'm just saying like shut up as in like look I've got to talk now like, like, like forget about the last round like, we're going to the next one, mate. Yeah, that's all fine. But here's the problem. Like, I'm totally fine accepting all of that. But the issue here is this. You're also implying when you get annoyed at that, like, because Nico would never do anything like that. That's the part I can't fuck with. Because here's the problem. Nico isn't even the guy who has to scream, mate. Have you ever seen Nico play a game? Spoiler, we've seen a million stage matches. This is the guy where, like, when his team loses the pistol, you think someone just pissed right into his fucking, like, IV. Like, this guy, ah. Oh. This is the guy where, like, you're in the 2v2 and you just go early, like, you peak and then you just get shot. And he's like... Like, mate, you don't have to scream and shout. You're already essentially doing that, mate. You're the superstar player who can do no wrong because you're better than all the rest of us. But you're constantly disappointed with everything we do. We're never good enough. And then also, as people might know, I'll do some content on this soon, don't worry. Obviously, magically, this is the magic of all magic, Semler. Magically, all the players you don't like just seem to, like, find their way out of your orbit and then disappear. And then the players you do like find their way into your orbit. But at the end of it all, if you're Nico and his friends, you go... Nico never explicitly told them to fire or hire that person. Nico had nothing to do with it. So as I'll say, and I said in my last video when he joined G2, which by the way, go look, because that was when I just became completely unleashed with my YouTube videos. When I did that video, Samlet, it's not just called like Nico joins G2. Like it even has all this shit in the title, like dedicated to big egos and egos is like capitalized. Oh, it's fucking hilarious. I don't, I don't give a fuck. So anyway, right. As I said in that video, here's the problem if you're Nico. There's two now alternatives if we think about the premise. Either what you're saying is correct. You never influence what people do. You never behind the scenes push for people to be hired and fired. You never suggest to your teammates you don't agree with what they do or don't think they lived up to your standards. You never tell your boss this guy can't work in the team. You don't do any of that, in which case you're a fucking moron because this was your career, mate. You were in international teams. You are the player, you know, in FaZe Clan and G2 and all these mouse sports. Like, if you don't take some of that influence, like, you know, it's not dirty to have influence 
influence over the team. As an individual star player, you should want to have as much influence as you can to stay your career in the way you should want to do it. I think you'd be a fool not to remove players you don't like and think can't win. I think you'd be a fool not to tell your boss, fire this guy, he's a loser, he can't win, or he's fucking up the game. Or you can go the other way, and you obviously have been doing all that. You obviously fucking have been. And spoiler, and all your teammates for years. Then at the end of the day, like, just fucking own it. Like, here's the issue. Yeah, you're going to get flamed, right, for when, like, this team happens. Like, if people think, like, you didn't give the players a chance, yeah, they're going to flame you. If you get the player you want, if, like, Adren joins the team and he's shit, people are going to flame you if they know you wanted him. That's true. But at the end of the day, like... All superstar players should actually have, want to have some influence over their team, in my opinion. Now, I don't think the team all should always just purely listen to you and do what you say. Obviously, there's a negotiation. But you should want to have influence. I think you'd be a fool not to. So, I, I think he's just lying, personally. I think he just doesn't tell the truth, essentially, about, like... Or he just doesn't fully understand, like, the influence he has over his teams. Like, as I say, he isn't a guy who'd have to shout at you, mate. You could just you could just see by his face that you've disappointed him, and He's fucking... He's not even, like, the boomer dad who gives you the beating. He's just the one who's like... Whatever, just he's more like fucking certain US presidents. He's like, just go do drugs and be a fucking burnout, you twat. Certain US presidents it could be any in history. Could be talking about Jefferson there. Who knows? Did he have a drug and health? I don't know. I didn't see Jefferson's son's laptop. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, we didn't <laughs> this is what we used to have a timestamp feature. We don't anymore. I don't give a fuck. Anyway, your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that you could be that unaware though. Like I don't think that Nico can be that. Exactly. He must know what's going on. Come on, you know. Yeah. Exactly. Like he knows that he needs, but the thing is like, I think that there's going to be even more pressure on him now because he may, he may in his mind, just thinking like, when does he peak? We talked a bit, a bit about this last sure. week. Is he already in his peak? Has his peak come and gone? Does he still have a peak in him? Like, does he still have a star level world beating performance in him? Or has he missed that window? Like that's, that's going to be. Um, if he keeps trying to force the situation on the roster rather than there being somebody like, was it you that made this point recently where MJ was just a terrible, uh, he, yes. he, just, he just had a terrible view on terms of like what his team needed. And so had he not been with the coach that he was with Phil Jackson, like had he not been with that coach, he would not have won all the titles because Phil actually had a vision. And then there was also that other guy who gets a lot of flack in the documentary. Larry um, Krause. Yeah. The general manager. Right. Exactly. But by the way, that's not a joke. If people don't know, like, for example, that literally the move, by the way, Samler, that made the original Bulls dynasty was that this guy, Jerry Krause, drafted two players. He did one through a sign, Scotty Pippen and Horace Grant. Now, Scotty Pippen became like a, a top 50 player of all time. And then Horace Grant was like a borderline all star when they won these championships. So, like, here's what you don't realize when he was getting these players in the draft, like Michael Jordan would be like, why are we signing these players? Get me this, like, guy. And he would be picking, this is why I give the example. He wouldn't pick, like, another all time great player. He would just pick a guy who was, like, flavor of the month. Like a guy who had like a good season last season, one off, and then he'd be like, "Sign that guy!" Like I'll give you an example. I'll tell you a name right now. A guy called Hot Rod Williamson. You've never even heard of him, right? He was like a briefly like all star level player for like a couple of seasons. That's what I mean. Like the, these players, the problem they have is, as you've seen with some of the players they sign, essentially, you know the way Nico did those moves. Let's let's not say he did it totally, but he was the main guy in the team and he was the in game leader. When they signed all those washed people to be the IGL and replace him, you know when they had they had Adren come in from Gambit, they had Neo come in from Vertus pro and then you heard the other names you heard on the rest of the list they wanted to exist before that it's like dude like people are gonna look at you like you're funny in the head when you look because you, you you don't like you think carrigan's not good enough but you think fucking neo in 2017 is good like give me a break you know what i mean like these like these two things don't make any sense together so like on that topic i want to know what your thoughts are on that because what do you think about that angle like like essentially Nico is trying to play the game of like I didn't say anything it's like, I think dude, shouldn't start players you should want to have some say right you don't just sit there and be left in the wilderness forever you don't yeah but I don't think you should have all of the say I still think that it should be sure. 
like we've all, we've talked a lot about this in the past in terms of like um having a sixth man i mean that was when existence was was thinking about it starks again remember like this is like kind of going back when valve had to step in and say like we do not want a sixth man as an igl who's going to be calling the shots but like we were it, like i feel like it goes back to that kind of that kind of era as well where it's just like it's it felt like you were starting to go you were starting to go in the direction of all of all of the power may not be in the server anymore some of that power might be outside of the server i.e in the coach in the igl if he was the sixth man or in the gm in you know, because up until that point it was always the players calling the shots the french scene is as fucked up as it is because the, there's so much baggage oh, between sure. all the players because they yes. were cutting each other's you know hamstringing each other every chance they got when it came to roster changes and so that's why you just won't have another french team i think because with at least with the core stars the old veteran stars in it because there's just so much baggage between them because they've just shanked each other so much so like I like I, I get where you're coming from where like you, a star player should have some say but I think ultimately that needs to be taken into account with like a broader vision of things and this kind of ties back into Kassad's point last time we were talking last week where he's, he's talking about how there needs to be a GM or somebody with a five-year plan of like how you're going to build out a roster what's your next move if you lose one guy what are your options you know how are you like what is what is your game plan here and we don't have enough people like that we still don't have enough people like that actually in this scene in terms of um, the back end who actually actually have an understanding of how cs is played and what you need in each position and that's i think that's probably like if you look at the nba isn't the majority of the the coaches right now uh the top coaches let's say aren't they all majority players like larry bird and um he's oh, not sure. a court, he's a general manager but yeah sure you know what i mean though like in the back in the in in the team making the calls in terms of like actually building out teams or the vision of where the team needs to go and all of this sort of things a lot of you know the, it's the ex-players who life is yeah who were wise enough to pay attention and start to understand like the bigger picture, like Kerrigan, for example, example, when he decides to retire from being a player, odds are he could probably just go and like write his check wherever he oh, wants he and go to yeah. GM somewhere and just be like, right. You know, yeah, I clearly probably. know how to run teams. I know how to run international rosters. I can basically go anywhere and I will build yes. you a fucking star level team. Kerrigan is probably a guy who could do that. And so that's probably the future of like where we're going to go. Is it? That would even be sick. Just think about it. That means in like five years, we could still have all these people in the scene, but it's like Carrigan battling Blade, battling like yeah. whoever. Yeah. Yeah. You have all the greats. Yeah. And that, I mean, just think about that history, dude, how sick that'll be. And that'll be like yeah, really yeah. interesting. And it's like, it just keeps adding, it adds depth to it. Cause right now, cause we've just gone through that whole period of just, well, it's been like 20 years that the players calling the shots. And so that could be that next step in terms of like, we're going to move on from being children into maybe being teenagers. And then we're going to see like where we go past that when the orgs start getting serious capital to start throwing in. And then you can't have everything that Kassad is, is hoping to have someday. Like you'll have your offensive coach. You'll have your defensive coach. You'll have your analyst over here watching the stats. You'll, you'll have your tape room, you yeah, know, like yeah. you'll be able to actually have all that stuff built out. And that's when, you know, you've reached adulthood and we can actually see Semler's referencing Kassad's appearance on Snake and Bandit, which is on this YouTube channel. If you're watching the VOD now, it's on the Insight and Esports CSGO YouTube channel, which by the way, also drop a subscribe if you like, buy the numbers. Snake and Bandit, at some point soon, it is coming. It's just being a bit delayed. Counterpoints will return at one point in one day. By the way, obviously the issue here is we're having to do it manually, aren't we, human? We have to just get human Semler to look at the scene and figure out like, oh, who should we remove? Like, what? who should we withdraw from this team? Or oh, what's the market for players? Well, here's the 
the thing. Esports bet doesn't have that problem, guys, because they've released their new hybrid AI compliance system, which opens up every single player to more matches around the world, while also making withdrawals faster, being able to better target the cheaters who ruin markets for everyone. So basically, this point is, it, instead of the system flagging you if you bet on two small games or right before a big game goes live, that's an upset. Now it's going to find out who the scammers are, etc. Get them out the system, flag them, and then if you're legit, you'll still be able to do your withdrawals. Obviously, by the way, they are not only running still the World Series 2 competition, but it's free to enter. You can just click on the link, go there, they give you some DJT, you can start making predictions, massive prize pools to be won. Back to the episode. That was just called a seamless segue. Yeah, back to the episode, and actually a seamless segue into, like, we're going to go into the same direction, though, because... It will. Well, we're going to keep going along this line just a little bit because now what I want, like the point that I want to make in terms of like how much say should a star have is, um, let's say how, like, did, did simple reach his peak form when he was able to learn how to actually integrate into a team instead of being the star? How does that work? Like if, cause you go back in the past several years in the past and simple, you know, the whole, the whole narrative around simple was he's toxic. He's hard to get a, like, he's hard to be a teammate oh, with. Sure. He's toxic. He wants everything his way. He'll, he'll, he'll tell you sh your shit to your face. Like he's just the whole, the most horrible teammate. But then it feels like over the t over time he's joined Navi. It was definitely bumpy at the start. Blade himself said in past interviews that you know Simple would just call him a garbage can and shit like that. Like just literally just fucking disrespect him. But with time, it seems like Simple has come around and now has actually fully integrated the team and they are a unit. So he's still the star. I, you look at it; he is still the mega star of CS:GO, and he still shows it on the server. But that being said, it feels like he's finally found a system to be a part of where he's just another player at the same time. And it's Blade who's the one kind of calling the shots top down. You I know, know what so you mean now. Right. Over it. Yeah, here's the issue. I know exactly what you mean. Basically, you're actually like sort of backdoored into a point I do have about people like Nico and Simple, by the way, which is because I've seen this happen in other games as well, like in League of Legends, for example, if people don't know, there was a brilliant player called Forgiven, who was a very similar, like simplest character. He was this amazingly mechanically talented AD carry. But the problem is because he's from Greece, he had a very fiery personality. And it meant that basically he would often be stuck on teams with like lesser teammates. And he would have to do a simple, he would have to like 1v the game in order to win now what I've noticed with players like that similar is usually unfortunately it doesn't end up like simple they don't actually end up getting to the yeah. top team that they should get on and get all the championships they should and get the status that their individual player deserves and one of the reasons why is because I think unfortunately the fact that early on essentially they have like social deficit of social skills like they're not very good working with their team dynamics often those players i've found this i used to be like this myself as a person by the way when i was just a super nerd and i was an anti-social person who didn't talk to girls and stuff all i was about was like knowing the most about esports when you're a nerd like that the way your ego protects itself is you just tell yourself the thing I care about is the only thing that matters in the world. So I'm only going to judge everyone based on my metric. So in my case, it would be like, unless you know, unless you're the best in my field, then who gives a fuck about you? If you're simple, you can just go up with Unless you're as skilled as me, who gives a fuck what you think? You make it like an extreme measure like that. Well, first of all, that will actually ruin your perspective on the game. Because obviously, in Counter-Strike, as people like Simple had to find out, there's so much more to the game than just skill, mate. Like, yeah, you could headshot everyone that comes around the corner. But the difference is, I mean, I'll give a, a, a specific example here. Even though at the end of his career, 
Edward. Everyone knows Edward was shit at the end of Simple's time. Edward used to be one of the best support players in the game, if people don't know. He used to have mega numbers at the major. A guy like that obviously didn't have the mechanics anymore, but he had the fucking brain for it. He had all that experience. So the point is, like, I do think, unfortunately, that it sort of makes players have a very extreme view on the game. And then the issue is, I think it makes them essentially... that It's like being in prison assembly. You know that premise where they say people who've been in, like, American prison, when you come out of prison, it actually takes you a while just to be able to do normal things, like eat food without, like, guarding your plate and thinking it's people looking like, steal off your tray or people are looking at you weird. In the same way as you get into... That's what happens to people who are, like, the star in these shit teams. They almost become, like... It has to be everything my way, otherwise nothing, nothing will ever work. And they can't ever trust their teammates. They're all, they're waiting for their teammate to film because it's happened so many times. So I do think in a fucked up way. Actually, I know this sounds mad, but this is why those players fail. It's because it, they're the one being the arsehole, right? They're the one being the toxic one. But they're actually the one, if you notice, that almost needs to be brought in like a fucking dog from the pound and shown that they can actually trust people and love and have a teammate and have a relationship. That's what I think Simple's journey the last few years was. It wasn't like getting better at CSGO. It was learning things like, how do you use a player who doesn't frag out? How do I like work with my teammates? How do, how do you do things? Like, for example, even sometimes maybe when I was filling the game, I'm sure he's had to realise that. Like, I might be better than you guys but maybe in this game my job was to carry and I didn't carry you guys did okay so I actually do think Nico to me is someone who's been affected by that especially because when you throw in this last detail I always say this this is why it's hilarious that I'm going to go down as one of the all-time Nico haters I might be the only person who ever makes this point that I think's a very fair point to make I always give him a special get out of jail free card that I also gave to Guardian which goes like this they don't have a choice to go to any domestic scene Nico can't go well I'm sick of people calling me toxic and saying I say shut up so I'm just going to go play with Serbs and Bosnians he'll never be a pro player so that means his whole career he has to essentially play away from home as it were you know all these fucking Americans that oh I have to live in Europe he has to spend his whole career playing in a second language you fuck like that's not nothing you're just fucking you're getting all advantages you don't even know you have so I do feel sorry for someone like Nico in that sense he obviously is automatically from day one culture clash working with different people you are ten times better than the people you play with on your first teams etc so unfortunately I think a lot of the experience like you know I don't just make it like he was an arsehole I'm sure all these experiences shaped him and I've seen that happen to a lot to those super godlike players yeah I agree Sam. It, it often becomes really hard for them to just be a normal player after that as it were they essentially have to just be the superhero all the time you know Especially when you're built up as the superhero on the team that you're in right now, like G2, where sure. there's just enormous pressure on you to, to perform because that's obviously what G2 were expecting when you join the roster. They, they've they've kind of gone step by step to make the roster what you want it to be. And so maybe there's also this other, it's not self-sabotage, but there's this angle of just like, holy shit, you know, it's like maybe he is aware enough to the point where he's just like, they're doing all this shit for me right now and I am not delivering. And so there's that additional pressure going on in his own head where it's just like he needs to step up and actually bring the numbers and he's not able to do it so each time it gets a little bit harder it gets a little bit more uh, difficult to pull it off especially when you come as close as he has now to winning a major i mean that was like the, uh, the that could be uh, a defining moment for him that grand finals well, it could yeah so it's a brutal it's a brutal situation but like again um that's just you know nico reacting to pimp i mean it seems like uh there more and more news that uh, jks like i saw i just saw another article that just got released uh just now you know talking about how jks may be the one replacing jacks uh on the team i mean personally i think like jks is showing like a this is terrific news for jks because i'm i i thought that his visa would have run out by now and that would have been a major play i mean because if he gets chucked back to australia good night you know your career is pretty much over, over yeah sure 
might as well pack it in. But if he's still here and he can get a visa extension and G2 could be a team that would facilitate that, if he actually hops onto that team, I feel like that could be a terrific opportunity to just revitalize JKS. I mean, he's shown on phase that he can definitely get in there and click head still and that he can do work. And if anybody's going to be grateful and work hard, it's probably going to be JKS because he's been out in the boonies for a long time now and he realizes just how close he's probably come to oblivion where, you know, it's either he gets on this team now because this is the whole reshuffle that he's been waiting for patiently all year long. He's literally just been in Europe waiting for the reshuffle for the mid-season reshuffle to happen. And so it's like, this is his golden opportunity that he's waited months for. And uh, it's his, and if he gets it, that's, that's actually going to be terrific because I think he's going to be a guy who's just going to go all out balls to the wall to make it work on that team. So like, what do you think about JKS as a pickup? Do you think it's going to be a good move for G2? I think it's a good move all around because first of all, a massive detail people are missing about this story is it's for Jax. It's not replacing Hunter. He's not replacing fucking Monacy. He's not replacing Nico. He's joining a team with those players. So the key thing for me is this. If you're all thinking, well, what happened in Complexity? He joined to be the star player and then he didn't do it. He doesn't have to be the star player. All he has to do for real is some of the things you saw when he was in phase replacing uh, fucking Rops or whatever. Like, just be like a, like a fucking good player. Be a consistent player. Contribute a little bit. Win the odd clutch. Things we know he can do from his whole career. If you watched him play a long, long time over his career. If people don't know, before Complexity, he was a pretty consistent player. This is a guy who always played his spots out. You knew he was going to be good. Listen, he was never a superstar. He was never like simple, but he was a star player. Like he could be a top 20 player in the world. So I don't think he's going to have to do that or be that in this team. But crucially for me, I do think he's a consistent player. I also think a mad underrated detail of joining this specific team is if you're going to join a team with an equal and with people like Carlos and have this enormous brand, that JKS is a guy who removes personality problems. This guy's just going to be quiet and just do his job. He's not going to come in and cause issues and strife and there's not going to be any of that so the good news is he's just going to come in in my opinion just put on his hard hat and just go to work I think I think it's a great move for both parties I also do think yeah he should be super motivated to get back if people didn't see when I did my interview series with him which was at the end of last year I think when I knew he like was looking for a new team and all that jazz he basically says like he understands he fucked up in the complexity period and that he like underdelivered and didn't play well enough and that he should have played better but the problem is I get the vibe in that team particularly because that team basically was so stupidly put together it had mad roll overlaps all over the place like had all these passive players I think in that team essentially he implies this he just sort of was the one that was willing to sacrifice but that'll make you look individually shit obviously I don't think he's going to have to sacrifice in this team dude like as Kassad said I think some of the roles he plays in the game even are just classical JKS roles so like I think this should work all around I think it's a good move it does look. Uh, it does actually look like it bodes pretty well. Now, obviously, the big, uh, the big question is going to be who's actually going to be able to lead, um, lead the team in the oh, IGO. People have to go and check out. Though, did you see this? You know, G two do all those skits. Did you see the Twitter skit they did with Yankos and Jax as old men? No. Oh, everyone have to watch it. Like after it's it's not very long. It's really good though because not only did they do the makeup pretty well, but like all the jokes are good. So it's like Yankos going like. It's the same old shit. And then it's Jack's just going like, what? what? Fanatic is shit? What? Fanatic is shit? Oh, it's really good, mate. You'd like it, yeah. Like, they actually nailed this. They, they got the toy. Because, by the way, that's the sad thing about Jack's leaving. Jax is a really good personality. Like, yeah, yeah. by the way, he's one of the few people who is like that in real life. Like, that isn't just like some on-camera weird thing. He is one of those guys, like, I will say, where he doesn't, like, speak as much with the English people. He's a bit more timid about his, his English compared to his French. But he is just a really cool, funny guy. He's just an ultimate happy-go-lucky guy. Yeah. That yeah, that's the thing that you hear it all over the place, right? He's got a sterling reputation, and I mean it's it, it but it really is like that's going to be the painful sort of scenario for him. At least 
he now has that claim that he has played on an international roster, so he may not be pigeonholed like other French players yeah, in the yeah. past. Like he could potentially pivot and try and get into another project here. That's another up and coming individual project. I mean, the other idea is that you just go back and you try and make some kind of weird French super team now or French super team. Like it's almost, I almost want to say just like an Imperial or a Dignitas or something like that, where you get the boys back together again, like shocks MBK. Dude, I said this on Twitter. People are, jo- this is how you know how offensive Counter-Strike is. So, you know, the same people, like how dare you suggest that FNX and Fallen shouldn't play anymore. So then I was like, why don't we make a team with existence shocks and Kenny S they're like, they're all washed. You idiot. Where have you put them on a team? Like, yeah, exactly. You all just can't be. Tr- you can't be fucking trusted, can you? You fucking no. Idiots. That's the that's joke the thing, is like they have a better chance of being good than that imperial team does. What are we talking about? Yes, here? exactly. Like, mate, if you put those players together, your problem as a fan is you're thinking I'm saying they're going to be peak value. They don't have to be. Kenny S just has to be a half decent opera. Shocks already still can win clutches. NBK actually looked half decent at the end. Existence would have the tact. You know what I mean? Like, they, we're not talking about be a world beat. We're yes. not be a double pony. Be a team that's just in the scene. Be in the mix and. And also, here's the difference. Imperial, because they're not any good at all, they don't even really, to me, have the nostalgia factor. This would be a mad nostalgic team. Look how, look at the massive connections all these guys have. They've played for years together. It would also, like you say, there are no true French teams. These are the original French players. This would be a great marketing angle as well. Like, you know, the fucking, I'd do the whole thing that like the boys are back in town or whatever. You know, like, I'd do some shit like that. This is where Smith's, Smith's rolls up in his Miata. It's like, <laughs> I heard no, what I'd do is that I'd even be cynical like that. I'd be like, the boys are back in town. And it'd be like all silhouettes. And then I'd suddenly have Smith's pop up and be like, not you. Goes back down again. Then it's then it puts the real yeah. boys back there. Because obviously everyone's going to be scared of that. Some like, we're doing a last dance, like whack him with that. Because obviously if people don't get it. The last dance would have been a fine premise if it was like introducing FNX Fallen Cold Zero. But instead it was like FNX. You're like, does he even play the game? You're fallen. I mean, I guess you're all right. Vinny, like, what? Isn't he the worst player on Fury? Like, it's the last dance. Remember all the majors I won? No, I don't remember any majors you won, mate. I remember you being the fucking guy picking up fucking Henny's jockey moron. What are you talking about? So basically, like, if you do a real last dance, that's why I made my lineup fire as well. Like, make it a good one. Like, make it one with the actual banger players. Who the fuck wouldn't want Shock and Kenny S back in the server together? That would be straight fire. So that's that was that's like kind of the idea that I'm playing with. Or it's just like if you can find an org to back them, that's the problem, right? But they have big brands, so I don't know if they have necessary. Like Kenny has a good brand on in terms of his stream, so he's kind of in that weird limbo where he would have oh. to probably ratchet back on the stream which is probably making him pretty good money right now so it's like do you want to take that risk to go back onto the server and actually try and compete is the is the fire still there um he's probably the one with the most of that although shocks also streams and stuff and like does content and stuff but like the others um you know it's kind of like years ago oh no what's going on one of the things i've never understood about shocks is without going too deep into it because it's a dodgy area isn't it it's like that whole sort of vibe he gives off it's like every now and then I think he's doing it accidentally. But then sometimes it's like he just does it so egregiously. Do you remember a few years ago where he did that stream? I think it was on his birthday or something, where he was just dressed like a sailor. Do you know what I'm talking Dancing. about? Like, like a really old school. Oh, he was just like a sailor. And then he began dancing like he was a stripper. Like, yeah. like it was just like a fucking Chippendales or something. No, yeah. he absolutely... It was, oh, if you haven't seen it, you, 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 you owe it to yourself to go and look this up on YouTube if you can find it. Because it's you're all thinking I'm overselling it. It's exactly what I'm saying. It is. It's utterly ridiculous. It's so Shox has got that vibe to him sometimes. So That's ridiculous. just the way it goes. He's got it. He's got it. I just, uh, you know, it's like 
could see that French team coming together. It could, it would be cool. It's just a question of whether they can find an org to back them, you know, cause like double pony were out in the wind trying to find an org forever, but then those guys don't really have a brand. Whereas you, you're talking about shocks, Kenny, MBK, cause this is the point that I was making that I've been making recently is that you, you go either one of two ways, right? You can go the old cloud nine way where you lean into shroud and nothing and Hiko and just try and say, okay, we're, you know, we're like, we're playing, but are we really going to win? Nah, maybe that's not the point. Maybe we're playing and we're going to sell, we're going to be able to sell sponsorships because we actually have massive brands with streams and then we can actually sell that to sponsors and that's terrific you can make money that way which is exactly how cloud nine played it back then and fine fair enough that's the way to do it if you want to go in that angle that's the last dance that's cloud nine x cloud nine that's that's you when you have players that actually have brands and streams you can go that angle but then be honest with us don't come into it saying like oh we're totally going to win tournaments but all of our guys are going to keep their streaming schedules and keep creating content you know because you can't have your foot in both worlds it has to be all in on the content side where you're just really leaning into the brand and selling sponsorships on that and you guys are competing but really you're streaming and you're creating content awesome or you're all in on winning tournaments like there is no fucking streaming it's all in just training in day in day out and you're doing everything you can to win you can't go halfway you can't meet it halfway so i feel like in like if you were going to get that kind of french team together you have to go hard on the content side you're not going to be winning tournaments or like you're not really the odds of you winning tournaments at that point given how competitive the scene is are pretty you know pretty slim but if you were to sell on your brand side of things, then I think you could actually get an org to come in and get involved and you could actually try and make something happen. So could be a, could be a thing that we get to look forward to down the line would be super sick. I feel like we should kind of touch on this, uh, on Dexter joining OG real quick and just get your thoughts yeah, on it real quick it. because we didn't, uh, we didn't we touch just, on it last week. That one, obviously it was ages ago. I know the good thing about yeah. this one is one mate. One thing I'm fucking glad about with this move is that's a timely fucking transfer. I'm getting so sick of those stories because, by the way, if, as no one noticed, like, where's Buster from VP? Does he just not exist anymore? Like, he left the lineup and he's just gone. Like, there was the rumor like two months ago he joins Navi. He obviously hasn't. Like, wh where's he going? So, like, one thing I hate basically is when you have a player who, like, they're in Vogue, happened to JKS earlier this year, and you're like, wow, can't wait to see where they go. And then they just sit on the transfer market or on the shelf or no one bids for them or the deals never go through. So, the good news about the Dexter one is this. After the team spirit run at the major, everyone knew not only is this guy fucking really good, but like he obviously could make so many teams better because he's an opera. Like when you are like a star opera like him, that you are that's exactly what most squads are looking for to complete their team. They don't have the player that can go head to head with the simples of the world. The joke is this guy's the next guy who can. He really is good. And I also think what perfect timing. Because he obviously just stood in for the OG team and they looked mega. They were able to upset Navi and they were able to do all these crazy things with this brand new lineup. And also, by the way, as we pointed out on the last episode, yeah, that's also like an underrated lineup of players. Like that Neofrag guy was fucking the truth in the Sinner squad. He was obviously one of the next players that was going to be good. I actually think that's one of the saddest things about the way the transfers work. Because as a quick aside, I had all those people tell me for ages, like, ah, oh, you're overrated, Alexi B and Valde. Oh, geez, not that good. They were the only good parts of that fucking team. The joke is, I wish they could come back now. Put Alexi B back on OG. Put exactly. Valde back on OG. Because now with, like, Neofrag, they've got the fucking players now. The problem they had back then was that they were the best pieces, and Valde was, like, your support player, and Alexi B's 
you fucking IGL. Like, you're not going to win games like that. There's no, like, team with that. Yeah, that isn't it. So, like, now I think they've got, like, the pieces in this team. Like, like the joke is, I don't think Nexus is good in IGL, but he's got way better pieces to work with. I could see this team being upset fodder. Because I think Dexter already is the kind of guy who can, like, win you the odd map single-handedly. And, yeah, like I said, they have some depth in this squad. So, I think it's a good pickup for both sides. I think if you look at the teams, I, I, the implication for me, by the way, by the fact it's OG signing him is, I think a lot of the big-name teams probably just decided not to sign him or maybe he didn't want to join for some circumstances because there's no way this is your first choice like oh geez not the team with all the money they're obviously not the most like crazy location they don't have any legendary players you want to play with but i do think if you look it's better than being on some cis team I actually think Spirit basically was probably in trouble anyway because of all that shite with the fucking region. I think this is a good pickup for both sides. I think Dexter will get to show off, be a top 20 player. OG, look, they're not going to win tournaments, but they can be in the mix. Like, you look how open the top 10 is. They could have some runs with this set of players. So I think all around, it's a slam dunk move. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I love it. Can't wait to watch him play more. I just yeah. wish, personally, like I said, I wish he was going to a bigger team. Like, I wish he was going to Team Liquid or something, but whatever. That's just people making wishes. This will be like a normal step. This will be actually like probably a very, a very solid step along his career now because i think like it this this team's budget for a player probably lines up just about where dexter's value is oh, right now because og aren't a team that splash a lot of cash they are actually pretty conservative in terms of spending they don't really do big buyouts they don't really do any of that they they kind of just you know and they uh, go yeah. hard selling you like they make you yeah. that's the reason valde didn't go off people don't know like they they they'd really drive a hard bargain yeah indeed indeed well i mean it's a it's a they it is definitely one of the, like, I don't know, air quotes, smaller orgs. I mean, it's started by oh, it is. Dota, the, the Dota International players. And then, you know, that money is an infinite. So they're figuring that out. But like, uh, it feels like this is just going to be like a really solid um, stepping stone for him, right? Because it's going to be able to showcase, again, uh, he's going to get he's going to get paid. If you haven't checked out, uh, there's like, um, there was an interview not too long ago with him in terms of just like his past. Super sick interview, really interesting. But like, turns out he's he's... You know, he's he's the kind of guy I think also who is just going to put his head down and grind and not take it for granted and not you know just start partying as soon as he gets two you know two copecks to rub together. Like he is going to be all in to just dominate. Uh, so I think it's a good buy on OG side as well. I think he's like Dexter has clearly got the character to go forward and actually do something. So all in all, just like a perfect lineup here actually for OG, like a perfect pickup superstar potential opera that could grow into that super he hasn't he isn't there yet but he can grow into it and your team might be like the perfect environment for him to do that and then you know as all teams like to do you can then sell him and make the big bucks that you're hoping for at the end of the day because if he really starts popping off then hey maybe you go ahead and you know offer him over to liquid or somebody else who's actually got big dollars and who would be able to spend it so really it sounds like a, a home run as far as og are concerned so good on them well played uh, another guy, another bit of news just on roster side was um, Peacemaker also uh, dipping on um, Imperial, which I found interesting just because it's about to go right into uh, it's about to go right into um, the major, obviously. So, like, what is what is Peacemaker's? Why would Peacemaker get out of this team before you know months before the major is about to kick off when his when this team you know should have a decent chance of at least getting in uh, maybe halfway deep into the tournament, right? I found it very weird myself because, first of all, to me, because I think the Last Dance lineup's fucking whack. I actually think Peacemaker is one of the best parts about this team. Like, actually, as far as I know, he is a good coach, so that's a competent piece I would want to keep. So, this yeah. way, the key thing for me is this summer. I'll be very shocked if it's that they're firing him and they think he's shit. Like, I don't get that at all. Although, spoiler, that would be what happens in fallen teams. Other people all get fired. He keeps collecting his checks. You know, high school girls say the same age. You know the fucking joke, right? Okay. So anyway, what I would say is this. I get the vibe. Either, 
I mean, this would be weird, but it's either because of the disrepute of the whole band thing, which actually isn't plausible since it got reversed, or the other angle is if you want a crazy out there one, I've got no information on this. It's pure speculation. Maybe he's actually got a better offer. Because I'll tell you something, Semler, as much as everyone never brings this up ever, dude, why do we always talk about Furia like they don't even have a coach? We talk about, like, art. Is art doing well enough? Oh, how's Keserato and Yuri playing? Like, that Gary guy's been their coach forever. Like, does he never, ever get any fucking scrutiny? Does he not have a performance element to his job? Does he not ever get blamed if the team never, like, wins a fucking trophy? Like, this is this squad of Furia now, by the way. The last couple of years, they've been in line. Like, they should, they've had their chances to go to the top of the world. They just can't get it done. So I, that's one angle I wonder about. Like, is there a world where he's going to a Furia? Is there a better, has he got a better offer? I'd be interested. Know. Because I think he is a good coach, by the way, even if he did like, like, here's my problem with this whole scenario. He only cheated in the sense that it's against the rules. And then he also sort of publicly did that stupid tweet where he said he would never use a bug or whatever. So it makes him look like a cunt, but it's not like the biggest crime of all time. And supposedly the players claim they didn't say anything. So he didn't actually cheat the information. So it's not like it's the end of the world. So I, I think that's a little bit shitty because my problem is this. I think there was a moment he got his lawyer to like reverse the thing and didn't have any punishment. He tried to do that thing they do, which I dis- I'll, I'll be very carefully assembler. I despise when people do this in culture itself, when they're not at all innocent, but they get found not guilty by the court. And they come out like, justified, I have been redeemed. It's like, you did the crime, you motherfucker. Just because you didn't get fucking caught doesn't mean you're now like innocent. Like that's not guilty is very different from innocent. So anyway, I don't like put that by the bike, but I do think as a coach, he's a good coach. So I think his rep actually is like a bit harsh. I know people think he's been in a billion teams. Like he must be shit. Like actually, I get the vibe. He's a good, he's a good coach. As far as I can tell. Like (laughs) you make that point. But I do like for whatever reason, a skadoodle jumped to mind is like, yeah, that was a guy who didn't really make much noise when, uh, when everything was blowing up around him. He stayed pretty quiet. And, uh, oh, that's and then you just... never got the hit, dude. Because like, I've made the point, like you, you can, you can make the argument. He should be banned, like they should be, but because he's never addressed it, I think people don't get in, engaged with it emotionally. So he's oh, sort of skated yeah. on that. Yeah, kind of skates. It just kind of moves on by. You don't make a big deal out of it. Don't make, don't draw attention to it, and just move on. Keep playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, uh, definitely a point. Uh, it's, I mean, we're kind of getting into. Uh, I no, guess I'll just throw the obvious joke in there, though. It's called The Last Dance, you fucking cunts. Oh, hey, guys, let's all get together and have one last run. Actually, uh, we're just going to leave you at this gas station. Uh, we're going to do the last run. That you... It's either a last run or it's not a run. First of all, what part of last don't you understand? Secondly, it's the last run. So you know what? You know, if you come to the org and go, oh, um, by the way, um, we want to change players. Oh, so there's no last run then, right? Uh, contracts are void. End the deal. It was nice working with you. Sayonara. See you in Rio. Like, give me a fucking break. Like, it's not stance. Logically, you should have to keep the same players. But they're already getting rid of FNX and now they're firing their coach. Which part about last don't you understand? What part of last? What is this? Speaking of, actually, just came out. One of uh, apparently Fallen just confirmed that he's looking to retire in about a year and a half. So it, could that be just how much time he has left on this contract? If they don't get rid of him in Imperial, that could be it. He just rides this contract out, and that is his last dance. That's it. He just he doesn't try to look for a new team when this is up. He probably just needs like a fucking year and a half small worth of checks to build out the last wing on that fucking like compound he's got inside of a mountain somewhere in Brazil in Atlanta or fucking him and Bolsonaro has like a secret entrance he comes in to get beers with him or something like fucking hell or has some Garana drink in the basement with him while they're going Fala Galera Carajo that's 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 actually Brazil that was all there guys there you go Portuguese you like that no because here's the thing that I don't get people don't get one the jokes write themselves fallen you've been retired for about four years you just won't fucking actually stop joining the server you can't like mate 
People forget this. That thing where you roasted him and then we had to address him in person. That was like two and a half years ago now. Oh, not quite two and a half. It was about over two, though. It was in like wow, the spring dude. of 2020. Was, uh, it was the one London. where we came that was the last London. That was the it last was the land stage, if you remember, yeah. we do that thing. And I had the all-time great burn. Do you remember? When he comes in there and he tried to like address... Because here's what he did with Semler, if people don't remember this video. He came in and he tried to sort of like alpha man of the group Semler, right? By coming in and sort of being like, you can't say that about me. Like, you don't know what I'm doing. You don't know like what my businesses are and what I'm thinking about and have my passion for the game. And at the end of it all, right, I let him go the whole time because he was trying to like put... Like, it's pressure Semler to sort of like admit he was wrong for saying like... Like, why you're practicing more? Like, why are you doubling down? Like, why are you going hard? Yeah, exactly. And then the joke is, after all that, Fallen just makes this whole, like, impassioned case about how he is trying his hardest and they are putting the hours in and they are trying. And so at the end of it all, I just go, well, the joke's obvious, isn't it? And why are you shit? And the best thing is, Fallen looks at me for a second. Go watch this video. You can see I'm, I'm, I characterize it perfectly. Fallen looks at me for a second. And all I can tell you guys is, if he'd had anything in that second, he would have said it. But because he didn't, he actually realized he's owned and he has no comeback. And he just goes like, huh, yeah. Just says something like that. Like, just, just like takes on the chill. Yeah, well, yeah, well, I have a shit. Like, he had nothing. He hadn't even thought it through. But the reason I bring this up is because, like, mate... How many years are you going to fucking play for and just steal checks? This is egregious. Because you know what I hate about the fallen angle? I do actually really hate this. Is This is what me and other people behind the scenes have known for years. Basically, ever since he got to MIBR, it's only been about money for fallen. Once he got to that org, remember, he got him all's gaming club to buy the fucking gamers club thing he had in Brazil. I'm sure that was millions of dollars. He has a merch deal with Valve. He has connections to the fucking president of Brazil now. This guy is making a business empire. He's going to be a mogul when he fucking leaves the playing side of the game i'm fine with that you can take care of your paper set yourself up but this is what i hate similar if people don't know fallen is a legend he is one of the all-time great players he is a player who had a massive impact but i just don't like the idea that what he did was he did all these brilliant things he did all these great things building up the scene building up brazil and then at the end he took brazil like a fucking lemon and just squeezed all the fucking juice out on the way out and then just left it like a withered husk and then i'll oh, see you i'm off guys bye like like, that's fucking whack, dude. Like, at the end of the day, if you wanted to do all this business stuff, you could have been a coach and do this. You could be the guy who owns the team. This could be Fallen Gaming team that you could have... Well, the joke there is he wouldn't waste millions of his own fucking money on CSGO players, would he? He'd only waste someone else's. So I just find that part whack because I do think, essentially, he sort of tanked his career reputation. Makes him also look silly on the way out. Like, this last project won't be remembered fondly. It'll be a meme, which is sad. When you're a great player, it shouldn't go out like that. That it just kind of burns out. Like live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And yeah, end. he has. He really has, hasn't he? Just meme. You just keep leaning in. I mean, that. the craziest angle similar because we brought it on this show a million times, but it's true. The whole premise when they first came through those Brazilians is they were our shining example to the NA pros. Like this is how you have to be about the game. You have to be pro. You have to grind. You have to work to be the best. So the problem is the idea exactly the people we were holding up as the example later became the worst example of the people who just phone it in for a check and don't give a fuck and and just abuse like a massive name. Like that's just tragic because as again like. What we're supposed to say to the kid we were pointing to, like, yeah, I'd be like him 10 years later. Uh, not so much. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's supposed <laughs> to be your hero, your role model. But is, it that, is that just the issue with living in NA or being in, in the NA culture, right? It just bleeds into them. The fact that they were living in LA for years and it's just like, you just couldn't resist in the end. You just eventually become that which you, uh, 
Well, that which you sought to be. I mean, to be fair, they did live in a house together. They did do everything they could well, to make. I've told this story before, and this is it's, sadly it's a really sad story. Somewhere. So I'd maybe even say we should segue this. Actually, maybe do like a greater point about life and priorities and what what's valuable in life. Because here's the sad thing. I remember once I had a very famous Brazilian CSGO player explain to me the Henny Lucas one situation. Because I remember saying to him, like what we've all said, like, why do they always just leave all these teams? Why do they have to play together? Like, why when one's bad, does the other one have to go and join him? Why when they're in a team that's doing well, why do they break it up or make it? And what they told me was this, mate. They basically said, this pro player said, you have to understand for players like that, they've already made it. It's not about winning the major. It's not about winning champions. Said you have to understand they literally come from who knows where in Brazil. They're making thousands a month. They're like micro celebrities. They have all the girls. They, look, they all have on their Instagram. They all have a nice car. They're in the clubs. They live a pretty nice life. They have a nice legit apartment. Cool girlfriend. Like basically, to them, they are they're already living their perfect life. Now, the problem is, to me, or you or me, that's not our, like, we want to accomplish something in life or to embody something or to aspire to something. It's more than money, I would hope. So, sadly, I actually get the vibe for some of the other Brazilian players. I think they're also in a similar vein. Because what I've noticed about the superstar Brazilian names the last few years, they try and make good teams, but their priority is clearly the big salary. If you look at, like, sort of where they get navigated to in the scene, they're never taking the pay cut to go and join, like, a half-decent team. They're always like, I start my new project of my this guy, and I get... 15,000 a month or whatever they all they all find a way to the money i've noticed yeah that's a fair point though i mean considering like culture it could be do you think it would be the same thing coming from the cis region then because i mean that's all that's the obvious other region that you know you start making money and that goes a long way over there where the average salary is like 500 bucks a month I mean, in their scene, it seems a bit weird in the sense that you're like, it's almost like you belong to the team you join in CIS. Because in CIS, they grind like motherfuckers. Like they do, do put all those hours in. So I don't know. It's a bit of that. A bit of that, maybe. They don't actually ever stop either. I mean, to be fair, they probably spend quite a bit more time. No, that's that's unfair, though. Because, I mean, it really is just like the top 1% of, of like the, the Brazilian scene that make the big bucks. And after that, it probably is a pretty steep drop off. Same way that it's going to be the same same thing in the CIS region where, you know, it's like if you're on Navi, obviously you're probably making mega bucks. But if you're not, then this, the drop off is going to be pretty steep. Oh, I can uh, tell you that was one of the things that caused the problems with those players who were the no or plan or people who were going to resign with MIBR and they left and tried to make their own team, which became Zero Zero Nation. Right, but yeah. they're all gone now. They all got fired. KNG and all don't that. No, the problem they had was exactly that similar. Because they had KNG, KNG was used to the old royalty salaries. He was used to getting like your 28K a month or whatever. So this guy stupidly thought, similar that they all should be on that money. He thought yeah. people like that Leo Junkie guy, like that he can get like 25 k a month so as a result when they got offered what well, actually was a mad reasonable if you know how small some of those players are 10k a month they were like they turned their nose apart and as i've told people on this show the joke is all plan all was no plan all and when they actually got an org in the end they lost all that money and they're all fucking fired and benched like that was one of the dumbest moves of all time i'll do a video on that one day because i think it's one of the craziest like missed players i've ever seen but what it shows you is what you're saying though similar people don't realize there is a class of brazilian player who's been at the top who can make loads of money the others you're a budget player if you're coming like if i had to guess i bet the MIBI players now are way less I mean, they're oh, all yeah. relative nobodies or people. Without a doubt, yeah. maybe a couple grand. Like, they're probably getting like three or four grand yeah, a month. They'll be in the max team. Yeah. But yeah. to be fair, it's like, well, no, to be fair, they're not living in uh, they're not living in Brazil right now. If they're on the MIBR side of things, they're probably in LA or something like oh, that. Right. But even, I mean, costs get covered and all that. That's still reasonable. Um, I, I feel like we could talk about this all day long, no, though. So good. I kind of actually want, like, you know, we're talking about up and coming scenes and we're talking about. Uh, uh, players that are on that up and coming side of things that are trying to make it into the into that tier one, and the way that I'm going to go with this is that IEM, you know, just released their um, 
they are a qualifying qualifying circuit to get into the major at the end of the year. And there was a little bit, uh, I mean, um, I think uh, Sponge was the one who was actually kind of going off a little bit about this, how the Asian reason, the Asian reason doesn't really have that many spots going into the qualifying into the major and, uh, and how Europe and uh, NA is, are still the, the ones that are just dominating outright with the most spots going into the, into the challenger phase and all that. So I was wondering, like, do you well, think that what's the issue? What was his problem with the that? issue? Is that from from like Asia, the Asia Pacific uh, region, which includes, you know, China, Middle East, uh, Oceania. So obviously it's going to hit home to sponge. Okay. You know, Oceania is uh, Australia, but, but that he believes that that region as a whole, because there's, it's such a large region now, actually deserves more than two slots to get in. And that uh, there should be when, you know, Europe is, uh, is over there just pulling in fucking like what, eight slots a pop. They've got like 16 slots on the European side. Whereas over on the Asian side that includes China and everything else, they've only got two. So, and then the Americas one, which obviously is like South America and North America, they have six slots. Yeah, exactly. So that's the question is like, do we should like, do have we seen enough from the Asia side of things to start like if perfect world and other, and I mean, if perfect world, I mean, if perfect world and hundred, pretty much a hundred percent of the CS circuit now is running out of Middle Eastern uh, companies or Chinese companies, like is it time? Are we going to start seeing that shift to uh, Asia Pacific RMR and all that, where they're going to start getting more slots because they want to start growing that region versus where it's been really Eurocentric and North American centric uh, in the past few years for CS:GO? Like, do you think that there's going to we're going to see a shift that they should get more slots now for these qualifiers, or should they just be happy that they're getting the two, considering we don't really see anybody taking the world by storm from that region? I obviously I have not watched whatever video I'm assuming it was like HL TV confirmed that Sponge had this rant about this topic. And I'm gonna assume, like you say, it's because it's obviously his homeland, isn't it? Like he is from the oceanic region, he is Australian, he or, cares yeah. about those teams making it. He also has another reason that I don't have to care about as to why, which is remember to him, I'm sure he would cite it as an enormous part of his career story to make it to the majors, which then allowed to move to America, which then allowed the rest of the pro career. So here's the problem. I think to him there is a path to pro, as it were, from being an Australian team to being what JKS and Azza were, like top players that can even go to other teams and be relevant in the world scene. And obviously 100 Thieves was top... Well, they were renegades at the time, but they were top four at a major. And they were... When they were 100 Thieves, they were in the final of IEM Beijing and all that jazz. Sure. Like, that all sounds great, but my problem is this. I'm not Sponge. I'm not from Australia and I'm not Oceanic in any context. So I don't give a flying fuck about that. I only care about the major being as good as it can possibly be. So I would go the other way and go, listen, mate, you you should fucking be grateful you get two slots from Oceanic Region. What are you talking about? Two slots. Spoiler, both of those slots are a waste of time. They're not going to produce anyone that's going to do anything at the Major. Neither team that gets one of those slots is going top eight at the Major, mate. Like, they're going to be irrelevant. They're going to be like the... In fact, the two teams that get these slots for the Major are going to be people's 0-3 picks on those fucking pickums, and probably they're going to turn out to be 0-3 like fucking Renegades. So I think this whole thing's like... I get why he's making that case, but I think he's making the case either from like a naive version of what he did was spoiler very few people are ever going to make keep, that keep in, mind, keep in mind keep in mind this actually is like all of it it's not just the oceanic reason for two slots it's like asia china all that like you you also you have to take that whole region in it's not just the ocean yeah, problem similar like who are we fucking around with there's never been a good chinese team in csgo tyloo was literally only upset fodder and literally all they ever did was like win one map and then fuck all the rest up and then one time ever that ben tech lineup made like top four i am sydney that's it sure. that, that, they weren't like doing big things they weren't winning tournaments so china's yeah, yeah. barely relevant korea's barely relevant and spoiler 
All the Koreans have gone to Valorant. Go look. See if I'm full of shit. Go look at those MVP PK players. You won't find them in CSGO, mate. They're all in Valorant right now. By the way, they're even in good teams like DRX and stuff. So, like, that's all gone. So, it, the reality is similar. It really it is just Tai Lu. Maybe, like, what, one team from Indonesia and then whoever the, the team from Australia slash New Zealand is. That's all you're left with. That region's depleted. People don't get this. You go back in time five years ago, it was on the rise because of Renegades 100 Thieves, because of Tai Lu, because of MVP. That was when it was like actually starting to get like, ooh, it's going somewhere. It's regressed since then. And so my issue is the difference is like, yeah, obviously everyone's going to make fun when like EG qualifies to like the Stockholm major because like, it's kind of bullshit, right? How did they get in from the NA RMR? Yeah, but the difference is NA historically has been able to show us consistently two or three teams that were good at majors. Brazil obviously has shown in incredible depth. Look how many times Brazilian teams like are in the mix at the major and winning maps, even when it's like the randoms, the MIBRs, the pins that you don't expect to do anything. They still always like show something they're not always zero three are they so my problem basically is this i think this is like what i hate in esports like league of legends league of legends the world championship is a terrible tournament similar because of exactly this they try their hardest to force the concept of diversity and every region must get slots and must have a chance and what they tried to do is this similar they try to act like maybe north america just will have as good teams as china next year even though that is an utterly absurd premise if you know the reality of the game so i think you're doing the same thing here because here's what sponge hasn't thought about in my opinion where am i taking those slots from sponge am i taking those from europe that better not be the suggestion we're taking from europe by the way it's europe, is europe and cis Dude, in europe and cis we could have a team that could come in like last place qualifier there that could go like top four at the major mate like there's a different region you're talking about the depth of especially the cis angle spirit probably did do that look at fucking team spirit who thought they'd be never mind they were just them making the major was good then they went top four like so i think the problem i have is i'm a realist mate i haven't got time to wait 50 years for like everyone to develop counter-strike in other scenes and all the fix the publishing i just want good tournaments today so i'm cynical i like i think two slots is as much as they should ever get like I've, i haven't seen anything from that region that suggests they need slots taken from other parts of the world you know again let's see proofs in the pudding let's see the next major let's see how those two teams do boys i think they'll do shit spoiler they do do shit then it stays at two if it doesn't then you know i mean if they have that kind of breakout performance then maybe like do you feel like i was thinking about this do you feel like the oceana region you know there was that upswing but it is clearly on the downswing now is that just because of the covid shutdown and that team that that whole portion that whole region just getting utterly screwed for two years because they couldn't play online they couldn't do any online qualifiers they couldn't they couldn't participate yeah, sure. in any of the online portion of but they got everything though if you think about it too because think about it, they got everything hit them at once. So they, as you say, they couldn't come. There was no land, so you couldn't come to Europe and North America and play. So you can't keep your level up. Two, right before that was when they lost Dexter. He went to Mouse Sports, obviously. You're like, well, that was literally like their shining star of the fucking scene. He was an IGL that was fragging out all the time. Then thirdly, they have the situation where it's not like they were able to reabsorb all the players that came out of Hundred Thieves. Like aside from I think Liaz and Gratisfaction, maybe the rest of them have just fucked off, mate. Like where is Azza? Like it's not like he's gone back and he's now like the leader of a new team he's bringing them up like so i think the problem they've had is they've lost the top end of the scene they haven't been able to develop the next part of the scene they even lost one of their rising stars and now basically the, t the scene has nothing as far as i can tell mate you go and look at these lineups when you look at the renegades lineup you'll be so disappointed because you'll be like i know these names but these were the players who couldn't even get on renegades like five years ago but now they're on just because by virtue of everyone else is gone you get moved up automatically yeah it's like attrition. You just hang in there long enough and eventually you'll get a slot on the and team. You know that classic cat, like lazy caster angle where if you don't know the team, you just call them like young up-and-comers or something. If it's like a player you don't know. If anyone's done that, 
if anyone's accidentally done that about Renegades, you look like a fool, mate. These players have been on for ages. Like these are these aren't <laughs> the spring pops, you know. They aren't. Let's have a look. All right. Well, that was actually going to be the last topic that I had going into it. I just wanted to get your thoughts real quick on the RMR qualifier because I mean, I mean, I'm pretty much, uh, I'm pretty much in line with you on in the, in the whole thing where I don't think that they des- they should be getting more than two slots than they've already got, and that was kind of like my take on it as well. So I think you nailed it. Um. I mean, we'll see if things change. Obviously, we can see the outside influence of uh, money uh, have a have a say in it as well. Uh, considering, uh, you know, if Perfect World get involved, then that's a lot of money. That's the whole Chinese market, and also, uh, you know, pretty much all of the CS scene is now owned by uh, the Middle Eastern region. So you could also see the Middle Eastern qualifier maybe getting a, a bit more attention going into it, and they could get some slots or something like that. I mean, who knows how it's all going to play out? But um, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how they perform at this uh, at this Rio major. So now. Uh, should we uh, start getting in some questions? Is that uh, something? Uh, yes. So feeling? people don't know. Obviously, we don't do the Patreon anymore. By the way, I confirmed with Sam that is all in theory closed down now and everyone's subscription should have been refunded. If it hasn't been, reach out to Sam or maybe even Richard. I don't know. I don't have access personally to the Patreon, but they do. So that should all be sorted. Now what we're doing is we're doing the Grog coin, which is obviously the cryptocurrency run by on the rally system that we do for all the insight and esports stuff so we do it for the four horsemen we do it for summoning insight and league of legends and if you go onto the insight and esports service it'll be discord.gg slash insight and esports you go there there'll be a grog coin lounge channel go there there's a pinned tweet it tells you how to buy the grog coins if you have 25 of them you can ask a question to us in the btn by the numbers channel and then we ask and answer some of them on this show spoiler though as you've seen on some of the past episodes i do roast the fuck out of shit questions i don't care how much you pay or you support the if you ask a shit question you're inside my mind motherfucker and i guard the sanctity of my mind i cleanse the temple of the unclean so come on give it hit us with the first question what are we going with first here samla uh, we're going with uh let's see top question it's from zumba would giving anders unlimited budget be a great benefit to humanity or the downfall of humanity right, here's the thing Zumba is someone who's like a, a long-time patron has been on my server for a while. So I do actually know this guy. But the only thing is, though, I don't know if he's intentionally doing this because the it, the part fans might not know is that the joke that we all have about Anders behind the scenes is that he's the one who has the most delusional sense of what the day rate should be. Like, Anders really is the guy where it's like in the world where you could maybe push from like 1.1k today to 1.3. He's like, what if we just asked for four? It's like, 1.4, you mean? No, 4k? Like... <laughs> what he's like yeah yeah we could we could tell them we'd make videos and stuff like he's the one who always has like the crazy idea like that so if people don't know like i'd say i've always said to semler the real thing that was fucked about semler's rep in esports is all these tos were like that bloody semler's hard to deal with it's like you don't even know he's the fucking go between mate he's the one going to like fucking <laughs> he's the one going to like baron harcorn and like sorry say we can't do it like kill them all kill them all like, uh-huh. like that. so the joke is the reason this would be a terrible move is because all Anders would do immediately is just pay himself an enormous day rate out of it, wouldn't he? Like, if you gave seven Anders, like, $10 million, he'd be like, well, I mean, it's going to be fair that I make a $4 million day rate myself. And then uh, and then he'd just, he'd have, suddenly there'd only be $6 million left over, wouldn't he? Like, what the, where happened to the other four? It's like, well, you know, costs go up. Walter's Lego isn't free, you know? It's like... <laughs> It's also the AI overlords that would require some payment as well. You know, he'd have to go ahead oh, and take some. That's, no, that's the worst thing. He'd get the million, right? And you'd be like, so what did you What did you choose to invest the 10 million into, Anders, in esports? You'd be like, oh, yeah, about that. I invested it all in the XRP, thinking it would become the the the, the globe's currency. And um, it's, uh, it's gone. And we're broke out. And it's gone. It's like, like, <laughs> it's like, like oh, God. Get rug pulled. Anders would get 10 million, just get instantly rug pulled again. I'll take him. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, dude, the, the Luna coin, never forget. It would be funny whatever he'd do with it, I'll tell you that much. It would be, it would be, dude, like, that would be. I mean, the yeah, thing is... Also, this is the other thing, though. People don't know. Anders is a bit silly, like, for real, though. As in, he's a bit like Bardolf. Here's the sad thing. He probably wouldn't do anything that cool with it. Like, you know, if I had the 10 million, I'd run, like, the best tournament ever, like, hardcore. Anders and Bardolf would really do stupid stuff, like, just put something funny in the game or something, you know, like, some or have some, like, fun tournament where it's, like, forest surf maps or something. Like, they'd do some wacky weird shit like that wouldn't they that'd be their idea of something fun to do i can tell also i mean like dude he he would be going into like the ai side of things where it's just like and hey, we can hide we can just automate everything and it'll take care of everything for us for the rest of time like his dreams are actually a window into you know the, the dreams that he's posting to twitter are how i understand so you could like some of the crazier shit that he's coming up with that his subconscious is oh just here's the angle for yourself Anders comes out and all of a sudden he now not only like career wise separates from you, he philosophically breaks with you because he takes the stance that actually female gaming is the future because he goes some fucked up demonic Elon Musk angle. And he's like, if women just upload their consciousness into the PC, then there's no physical component. And so then we're all equal, aren't we? And he actually becomes the Judas who leads humanity into the AI technocratic slave system. Basically, Anders is the reason the Matrix is exists <laughs> and not just because like the oracle he sits around eating cookies and farting all the time <laughs> I, admit, I even said farting that's not in the mission i'm actually referencing that whack you know that really old school like what's up you know that old fucking video anyway whatever you get the premise <laughs> there it is that's a really old school pull from the internet if anyone knows that fuck all right second question skazord would you be interested in having gaming in general and esports evolve past the keyboard and mouse into something else such as VR with enhanced controls or have we already peaked in terms of controls? Uh, I think we've, whew, I think we've already peaked in terms of controls, in terms of precision, the mouse and the keyboard, what you can achieve with that, like what, what you're capable of. You're, you're never going to be able to get that. I think with like body tracking or scan or anything like that. I don't, I don't think you're going to be able to get that precision. So it would always be kind of clunky. It'd always be kind of, uh, I, yeah, I, for me, it's just like, as far as competition is concerned, mouse and keyboard is, is probably the peak of, of where it'll go. And then VR will just be for the gimmicks. But personally, like I, this was years ago when VR was even just starting to become a thing. But even before that, there was already ideas of like how to integrate people into a stadium using VR or using a, an augmented, augmented like reality in terms of like the, uh, the, the stream. But like, you know, that's, I think the direction you want to go with, with VR is just like, okay, you can't afford to be a ticket, you know, to have a ticket or be there in person. Fine. We're going to have like one of those massive cameras in the middle of the arena that gives you like a 360 view. And depending on where you you purchase a you know your e-ticket you'll get plopped down in the stadium there and that's your vr angle that's that's the future of like being able to enjoy esports you could probably just you know be in vr actually enjoying the event on your own uh and still be at home so you can still be a pod person living in the metaverse but uh you know like that's that's where it goes right I personally don't get basically what the obsession is with this idea of vr and all this i've always thought it was whack like spoiler the, i know for you guys it's new I don't know if you know this. This was the most hackneyed premise presented since I was a boy in the fucking, like, late 80s. There were tech shows in the late 80s for decades onwards where every year it was like, and then VR's coming in a couple of years, guys. We'll all be inside games with helmets like Luke Skywalker play. We're not doing any of that. Like, even now, barely anyone does that. It's some stupid niche shit. The joke about VR is this. VR ended up being, like, 3D movies. They said it was the future, but it isn't. It's some stupid niche thing that people won't let it go, just keep trying to force 
supposed to be a thing, and the rest of us just look on the timetable and go, oh, it's in 2D at 4, we'll just go at 4 instead. Like, we just fucking avoid it. So the, the obvious thing, by the way, I'll tie it to what I just said about the other joke earlier, but the obvious area you could improve the controls would actually just be to somehow, like, connect your nervous system or brainstem into the fucking game and, like, directly interface. The problem is there, you're all going to think, I'll be brilliant, I'll be able to aim exactly, yeah, I don't know about you, I'm never going to let tech companies directly interface with my fucking brain technology. I might be a bit weird and paranoid for that, or I might just be on the fucking boil. Why would you ever let them in your head, for fuck's sake? That's they already know you better than you know yourself, just on where your eye goes on the fucking telephone screen that you're looking at at all times. Because you know, that's the angle they never think about, Semler. Whenever they're presented the technocratic angle, it's always the utopian angle, isn't it? I always say sure. this to people. Whenever anyone tells me how brilliant it would be to be uploaded into a computer, I just say this to them. Have you ever seen mods? You know, Reddit mods, Twitter mods. They're the biggest cons of all time. Imagine he's doing that to you, your soul, inside a video game. What the fuck? Now the Reddit mod isn't just deleting your comment. He's fucking your whole personality up. He's putting you in a cyber prison. You're in a gulag. I don't want that shit. Can you imagine? Like, they're already, like, just joyfully saying, like, we can, you know, we can actually manipulate prisoners' minds so that for, like, 10 seconds of real time, they feel like they've had a 100-year prison sentence. You're just like, holy shit, this is not going to get exactly. even worse. Like, Bro, you're, you're thinking, and it's only been, like, a minute you're in thinking you connect to the server. It's like Ready Player One. You're just in your dream world. There you go. Go. What if instead it's, like, Tron? What if you get there, like, oh, I'm in the game, and then someone's just like, right, break those virtual rocks, slave. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, like, exactly. The virtual gulag. Enjoy. <laughs> and then the end, while you're in the virtual gulag, there's just a big central like display system where it's just showing like screen things like citizens who have worked and earned their more 4.2 million credits may access the blast spring finals match later in Abu Dhabi. Like just all fucking, and then it's probably just some fucking dark shit like dark side. Work, work. Work just like this, this chat <laughs> virtual gulag, and then you're just going. You know what? Maybe I should have stuck with a fucking Logitech mouse and just styled this thing out. Maybe it wasn't worth connecting my brainstem to a computer in the hopes of being like simple. You know, I'm just going to say that. Next, next question. Next. <laughs> I think we're going into the next one. Do you um, have a take on that? What do you think? Do you like? It, here's the thing. Do you actually think there is something better than mouse and keyboard? Like, is there some like oh, angle we no. haven't gone? No, I, mean, I don't it's think it's pretty legit. It seems pretty. Legit, I mean, just look it? at look at the way that they have to go with um. You you get the you, what was it uh you get the controllers the aim assist and all that bullshit because like, oh. on controllers you can't be precise so you yes. need help to be able to do it otherwise it just doesn't work you're not going to be able to to hit like there was that meme no it was it was like reality where the guy you know claimed that he lost the finals because he forgot to turn aim assist on and it's just like holy shit dude so no like controllers are not I the way simple I've heard a lot of excuses about that cologne final but aim assist there isn't even aim assist oh you meant in card my bad yeah I meant oh, in card, you, I meant oh my bad I've humiliated you simple my bad my there you go yeah no I, I think it's uh you get you can't really go past it and, I, and i'm on the same boat like i i get it as like a gimmick kind of thing where it's like oh i'll play a game uh you know and like fuck around with vr but it's for like 10 minutes now i'm like okay let's go and do something else now like it's just not doesn't doesn't uh like there's the whole like oh but you get exercise it's like but, but i i do like actual exercise you know like gym or jujitsu and stuff like that like i don't need a video to do exercise in a video game like i don't know it's just weird it's it feels like another try to like try to get you to be a pod person sort of thing where you never leave your apartment because hey you just exist in the virtual reality as well like why do you ever need to go and interact socially with other human beings you can just constantly live here it's bad enough that we have pcs with these screens let alone just strapping it to your head so 
not not a fan. I think uh, keyboard and mouse are where it's at, and you're not going to be able to top that anytime soon. I just I can't find it. Sadly, I was gonna I was gonna quote this classic stupid thing that you might remember from back in the day. It was all those shit jokes that people always used to put on IRC. It was that one way. It was like you know how come when women buy a dildo, everyone has no problem, but then when man when men buy a Robo fuck fuck monster nine thousand with you know detachable jizz tray then suddenly they're weird i think that's what i feel like when you guys are talking about getting like better controllers like motherfucker i already know scorpio the mouse anyway i don't need a better controller why are you trying yeah. to just fucking put some shit up your ass I'm like oh <laughs> <mouse. laughs> this is an interesting 1v1 you know what i mean like, i'm out let's get out let's get the fuck out is that the other thing y'all are mentioning y'all are all going to do it again along like tech angles like oh and imagine it could be more realistic like as you get hit in the game you feel like a blow of resistance you know but then y'all all just use that for some black mirror shit like oh, oh, oh yeah oh, <laughs> me, daddy spanked me oh shit let's be on some exactly we all think you're just using it to be better at shooting people in the head you're just getting fucking the rim job on the bench in mirage so you can't <laughs> I'm fucking not. <laughs> <laughs> now you see why this shit used to have timestamps exactly. I know. <laughs> oh, it's dark, dude. It's dark. All right, next one. Um, it's go. Ow, dude. I don't know about this one. It's go. Favorite German folk tales. Yeah, <laughs> trying to like lean into some sort of fucked up political angle. Right? <laughs> what about the Volk do you enjoy the most, Samler? <laughs> exactly. Like I don't, know exactly. Oh, I don't even really know any. Like what? Like, oh, I don't know either. Any like could it be something that uh, that we know today, but that is actually like originating in Germany, and then the weird thing about England, if people don't know, is like we are obviously we have our own tradition of like kids' stories and stuff, but then the only other ones we tend to integrate are like the Hans Christian Andersen. So we have like the Danish ones and then ours, but we don't actually have a lot of the Central European and Russian ones, for example. Like like if people don't know some of the folklore and that shit's mad dark. Like some of the Russian stuff I was learning about, Samler, they have this whole thing where which in like Russian culture live in these houses in the woods that like get up and they have legs and they like run like chickens like that that's like fucking terrifying like what are you talking about what are you talking about like, I've heard of something like this before. So I, I actually don't know anything about German cult, folk culture Dude, it's honest, like honest gov honest they're gov. all <laughs> they're all mega dark it's uh oh shit what was the one where it's like Santa Claus isn't actually like he oh, isn't he right. isn't a good thing he's like actually here to like kidnap you and yeah, put you in I know what you mean now. Like, yeah like there's also there's like some oh, mega yeah. dark ones out there. You're, you're like, right. There is like one where it's like an evil Santa Claus type fucker. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. You're telling this right. to your kids as well. You better be good, or you're gonna get yeah. kidnapped by Santa Claus and fed to his elves. And it's just like, whoo. Okay, <laughs> I thought it was a lump of coal. No. Is right, that just well, the difference between like British and German culture? British got like, now watch out, Grand Santa's gonna come down the chimney with your little toys. Then the Germans like, yo, he will come and he will take you. He will take you to a forest and then you will go into a village. Look, you know, what do I have to do, Father? What do I do, Papa? You wonder why. I know. <laughs> Just for some All toys. Right. Come on. Sorry, let's go. Sorry, we're not going to be... Well, you know, there we go. That's the answer we got for you, man. Uh, Blaz, if you could go back in time and become the GM for a team that you thought you could turn into a major winning team with the right moves, which team in which era would you choose to GM for? 
I actually, I actually have a quick answer for this one because it's basically okay, it. a move I I've actually suggested yeah. publicly I wish it happened. And I think this move would have been fucking incredible if you know the context of when I wanted it done. So I've told this story before. The obvious team assembler is Team Liquid. What I would love to do is this. I want to be the GM at the end of 2018. Because remember at the end of 2018, they've just had that year where they've had all those times they lost to Astralis and they're like, right there, they're number two in the world, but they can't win the big events. Because if people don't remember, I think there is one of the stupidest misses of all time which is right at the end of 2018 one of the teams that was on the way down gradually was FaZe Clan because they were going to remove Carrigan I always said to me that was a slam dunk you take the team that lost to Astralis you put Carrigan as the IGL mate uh, can you imagine uh, Carrigan with Twists, Elise, Naf and Stewie as his entry mate that next year would have been amazing. Like, that team maybe runs the table, mate. I would love to see it. Because if people don't realise as well, Carrigan also famously is actually very good at playing against Astralis. Go look at his career. He actually oftentimes beats them and is able to, like, match up well with them. So imagine that. Imagine the prime Astralis goes against a Team Liquid infused with Carrigan. I would love that fucking move. That's a banger right there. That Do you want one? So what are you doing? Which, where are you going so in history? First of all, what team are we identifying? Like, what era are we going? We're going like French back in the day. Are we going for some sort of Swedish team? What are we going to go for? Because obviously, I think about the French teams all the time in terms of like Titan back in the day and how hype I was every major that they had a oh, chance. Sure. Like, I'm going to do it. And then yeah, yeah. Just, they didn't do it. But then, the, so my, my, like, I first go back to that. But then at the same time, I'm just sitting there thinking, like, but they had all the tools. You know, like, they they had Kenny. They had they had they had like the heavy hitters. Who who else could they have brought in from the French scene to make it work back then that wasn't already a part of it? Unless maybe you were to somehow get like Kenny and Shocks together at an earlier period, and that could have that That'd could be have the dream right. That would have been the dream. That would have been the dream team to put those two together and let them work instead of it eventually happening like years later. And um, I don't think people get how crazy that is. Think about think. I'll give you the analogy. Imagine if fucking Nico and Simple were just both Ukrainian and they never played together. You'd be yeah. like, what? Even you guys didn't think, why haven't we played together? That's the part I never got, dude. Yeah, you've seen this before. We once saw it before they actually ever did play together. It's actually years before. They once were in a bar and a conversation, Kenny and Shocks, and we were just like watching them on the side, like, I hope they're talking. Oh, shit, you're together. right. I we, remember this. Because we're nerds like that, me and Sam. Like, we were actually just like, oh, I really hope that they're joining. It's, is it happening? I like exactly. what it was, grinned, sadly. We were just like, he's grinning, he's smiling. Turned out they were actually just oh, having a drink and just going, like, yes, this is a nice drink, isn't it? Yes. Good. Body. Exactly. There's no, having the most mundane conversation. But that is one thing I don't get, though, Semler. What I really don't get for real, especially when, like, Swedes were the best in the world. How could Kenny S and Shocks not at one point even just lock eyes across a room and just go, wait a minute, why don't why don't we just fuck them up together? Like, you are, we're two of the best players in the world. So that's one thing I've always thought was wild, that they waited until the very end to do it, and they waited too long. That's actually tragic, isn't it? It, like Kenny's career is really is to me is tragic in a sense. Oh, it is. Like, it he, could have been so much more. He could have been so much more. And okay, sure, the game gimped him with the, with the op nerf that really reset him hard and that really knocked his confidence. But I mean, if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, I feel like he should have just been utterly dominant for a whole period of time. That yeah. Never happened. It's tragic. So, so maybe, like, maybe we're fixing a Kenny S team then. Who that's it. That's Which it. Like, you, exactly. That's want. kind of it where it's just like, if I could go back in time and like, ah, oh, like have my dream meta where it's like everything lines up perfectly together. It would have been like having existence to, to mastermind the whole thing with Kenny S and shocks as firepower. And then at that point, I don't even care. I don't even care who the other two players are. Just like you guys go and conquer, go forth and conquer. Right. That, you know that what's sad probably... though? The most tragic thing is this similar knowing what we know now. I even know who the other two names are. It's a slam dunk. So if we're going Kenny S and Shocks as our stars, existence, the other two, think of the roles, Apex and MBK. 
case closed. Yeah, MBK, done. Totally. Yeah. Mate, if you make that team in like 2014 to 2015. Holy shit. Apex and, and MBK would be shit, wouldn't perfect. It? That would be amazing. Yeah. That would be like the, that would be the fucking super team, basically. That's personalities. The but then that's, that's the, the part. Not, yeah, the hard part, part is keeping that lineup together. Well, exactly. Yeah. That would have exactly. been a really hard. Like, as, as GM, <laughs> yes. I would just not have any hair. It would be like gray. Yeah. Exactly. Great after the first year, trying to keep everybody from shanking everybody. And the whole time, your phone would just be like all those lights lighting up of like all the calls coming in. Like, oh, on line two, we got sharks. Like, oh, he had no fucking flame because the way I tell him to do. Then, oh, oh, on line two, MBK's calling in. Like, yeah, look, that's no excuse just because you were born that way. It's whatever. whatever. I can do that joke. I can do that. That's straight fire. <laughs> I can do that joke. I thought it was pretty good anyway. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I know, whatever. Who gives a fuck? There you go. All right, next one. Snake Gold. Can you take a guess on what will the next CSGO scandal be? <laughs> Here's the problem with that. Here's the thing. It's a funny question, but you have to understand, right? In a sense, you have that's actually the greatest setup to end our careers. Because think about it, what we're going to do. I think maybe this guy, this famous player, what if he raped someone or something? Like, what, what sort of mental speculation would that be? So first of all, to answer this question without our careers ending, we have to point out we're going to have to purely speculate. And obviously, we're not going to name names like, oh, I wonder if that guy might die or something. Like, we can't do that, can we? So I, if I had to guess, let me think of actually a real question, answer to this would be. Because here's the thing, Samler. There are some obvious real scandals haven't quite come out yet. Like, I'll give you an obvious one in my opinion there's never truly been like the high profile chinese betting scam yet in esports they've happened apparently behind the scenes but it's never been sort of fully blown i think something like criminal is what is what the next level has to be has to be something like i tell you one thing i'm actually surprised hasn't happened yet you'll notice it keeps happening in other esports primarily that there's a lot of like legal shit about work having companies in la because it turns out for example the laws are so strict for businesses in la that you can't do things like hire people with contracts and then tell them to work like they were employees and like that i think that's one day gonna be like a watershed thing they're gonna break that whole thing open and if you know how many companies are in la i think loads of them are gonna get either fined or it's gonna be like a totally new paradigm for how you have to work because as far as i can tell they're all abusing loopholes in the law like they're all treating people who are contractors like they were fucking employees you know it's not saying it out loud you know they're just crossing their fingers and hoping that it never gets out like that because yeah, California is notorious for that shit. They changed it, yeah, so that uh, because they because they had so many people working as contractors. That was the thing. That was how you got around having to worry about employee benefits and healthcare and all the other shit. Is that you just paid a contractor, and then obviously the government's like, huh, well, okay, well, if that's going to be your loophole, then we're going to just go ahead and close that and nip that in the bud. And that obviously fucked a whole lot of contractors up because obviously you know then it became more difficult to hire them. You have an angle that hasn't happened yet. Is there any sort of a scandal we haven't had in any sports yet? No, because obviously that was lot, like no, the whole Me Too angle. But then like, loads and loads, yeah, of course. Yes, way, really... I still think the pinnacle of that one, if people don't know, because people might only know certain esports games, if you know, the, the pinnacle of the Me Too stories in esports was obviously the Riot and Blizzard cases. And probably the craziest example ever, because it just showed how out of control esports is, was that mad one about Blizzard, where they were literally drinking a woman's breast milk that she'd put in the fridge. They were stealing her fucking breast milk for yeah. her child at Blizzard, like... Come on, guys, for fuck's sake. This is so wacky, it's unreal, isn't it? Give me a break. Yeah, but think of the gains. <laughs> Just straight file. Like maybe they were lifting afterwards, you know? I don't know. Like, they got a, they got a reason. Uh, no, I don't really have anything off the top of my head because I feel All like right. we've already kind of, like, hit yeah. everything. Uh, and, and it's not really like scandalous what we've we've got we've got the money we've already got the money sources me too's already happened um that's why i was going with the criminal angle i don't know yeah, what's I left happen, betting, right? betting, what's you're, you're not you're not wrong 
um we've already had we've already had uh orgs run uh like org owners and all that like run like literally run from country to country um so yeah i'm kind of at a loss as to like what the next scandal will be because also it's kind of hard to get a read on what the what the community is going to think is a scandal as well because uh, they're they're totally fine with certain things and then on other things they're completely off uh you know like uh god forbid you criticize the pr of a tournament that involves women you know like oh that's just the end of the world uh, so who knows what uh <laughs> who knows what the next scandal is going to be uh i'm not going to take a guess so iwd <laughs> how many IWD. more we've got to go by the way we've got like two or three is it like yeah, 10 what, how many we've got now a couple couple more two more yeah, cool all right, so IWD seems like FaZe shows up, and this will be just a quick one, I think. Shows up and wins every S tier tournament this year. Are we in a FaZe era? If not, what are they missing? I actually have some content coming very soon. I do a show off with a young analyst called Paladin called Rescope, where we address exactly this topic. So it'll be coming out soon. There'll be a video where we already address that, basically. Basically, they're close to one potentially, but they're probably going to win one of the next two events, I think. And I think that we're pretty much, they've won, they've had the first, out of the seven months of this year, they've won everything that's worth winning. So I think that you, you'd have to say that FaZe so far are on their way. The question is whether or not they survived the play. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. notoriously difficult for teams to stay focused over the over that period of time. You take two, three weeks off and, you know, getting focused, getting in the right headspace, having the hunger, all that. Like, I think this, I think they can do it. It's just a question of whether or not they're going to be able to do it in time to win whatever the next big tournament yes. is. But if they were to win, like maybe another, like within the next couple months after the player break, if they win another one, I think it's going to be hard to argue that they aren't the top dogs. I mean, the key the, thing is the next two ESL events can potentially win them the Grand Slam. So if they win the Grand Slam, that also like narratively will be like yeah. sort of a good moment to say, did they have the area? You know, I think yeah, yeah, because then they've they've got the major, they've got Katowice, they got Cologne. I mean, those are those are just like the massive yeah. ones. If they can win back-to-back -back majors, that's also just a terrific achievement. So, yeah, I feel like FaZe are well on their way. I don't feel like they're missing much. I think it's just going to be in their headspace because it sounds like they have a great – like I want to look more into this inner shine guy because uh, he really seems to be doing great work for them on the on the analyst side, so much so that Faze, that like Kerrigan brought him over from Mouseports, like refused to leave Mouseports without him. So uh, it seems like him and Kerrigan are really, you know, like – tight together and that they see the game the same way which is pretty much key with the analysts you know it's like analysts aren't exactly just interchangeable or you can't really like they have to know how you want the game to be looked at and, they, and there has to be faith and like trust built up over time uh between you know the the team and the analysts and uh vendetta's talked about this in the past as well of like how difficult it can be to like find things but then to get people to listen and get people to actually apply it and also to find relevant things that are going to be useful in matches you know and not just interesting things to look at all like it's a really difficult task and this inner shine guy seems to really have it dialed in for phase because it seems like at least on the, on that last on nuke you know it sounded like he took rain aside and basically just unveiled the whole navi plan and well rain had it at star level performance on the map so could be that they're tied together on that front i don't know but uh it feels like phase just have, have just got everything even on the back end side of things you know like something that along the lines of what casada has been talking about how he wants to have that offensive defensive coach well it sounds like phase may even have that kind of guy there as well as the igl as well as the gm as well as everything right so it sounds uh, it sounds really promising all right last question yasuke our boy it seems like riot wants valorant to be their main game in na with the rumored release of CSGO 2, how could this help make CS compete with Valorant and NA, if at all? NACS is not great right now. Could it be revived? 
Well, the good news is this is actually where I think Riot's fucked up, Samler. I actually think for real they've made a massive tactical error, which is, you know, like they've announced they're not going to a pure LCS franchising system. What they're doing instead is they're actually doing it CSGO style. They're going to go halfway between. What they're going to do basically is they're going to have a league and you're going to get like partnered status if you're like sort of a preferred partner, kind of like a Louvre team. And then the other teams can compete in the same circuit, but they don't have like preferential status and maybe they don't get the invites etc so basically it's going to be like a halfway between the two now the reason why i say i think they've actually fucked up by doing that is because one in my opinion if you did an lcs type league as you can see by the fact that the na orgs were the ones who wanted to do flashpoint they want a franchise league so i think not only would that ensure they don't come to cs but this is the key point it's a very nuanced angle people are going to miss say you have i'll pick a random number like like lcs say you have 10 partner teams similar and everyone who isn't in those 10 are not partnered right well, what happens if those orgs don't get into all the big events so then Valorant isn't worth it for them? Spoiler, you've just made it so that there's 10 people who are worth staying in Valorant and the West should actually consider, do they come back to CSGO for CSGO 2? Like, you want to be in the game, you've got players who play a CS-type game, but you're not one of the partners. There's only going to be so many spots. So, in my opinion, the angle everyone's missed on Valorant is actually one I will credit, and I've said it on past shows, but I'll say it again. I actually credit Monty. Monty Cristo was the one who came up with this angle. When they first announced Valorant, he actually was the first person I heard who said this. He said, everyone thinks that CSGO people are going to go to Valorant and it's going to kill CSGO. He said, I think it'll be the opposite. I think what will happen is you'll have this whole generation of people who grew up in Valorant and then they one day are going to find CSGO and be like, wait a minute, there's like a more hardcore version of this game. Like This is like the little kids version and they're going to go to CSGO. So I actually think, first of all, I think some of the pros that went there and it's now the gravy trains over i think some of them are going to come back especially to be streamers coaches in csgo 2 and then i think whoever doesn't make it sort of doesn't get the status they want in the in the uh franchising transition model i think some of those people might look to csgo again if they can min max a roster and get into the major and all that jazz so i think csgo actually the timing of when it's attacking valorant is the key thing to me could actually be a very good timing to sort of pivot the scene back a little bit because at the moment, obviously, right now, NACS goal basically is Valorant, right? I just don't put any stock yet in the uh, the release, the rumors of CSGO 2. I mean, who knows about that? We've heard that too many times over the exactly. years. Exactly. And also, just you, you really have to put the emphasis on how Riot or Valve will do nothing, nothing that has a risk of fucking up the skin market because that has made them billions and there's no fucking way they're going to do anything that could potentially risk that. So the, the source two, CSGO two, any other iteration of the game has to go forward with the skin market in mind. That's the only reason why Valve are interested at all in CSGO. If you want future development for the game, you better pray that the skin market stays strong because that's literally the only thing that Valve are interested in. There aren't really any CSGO devs. There's a couple, but the, all of them pretty much, even the guys showing up at the majors, they all work on the Steam marketplace in one way or another, and then they tie that into CSGO. So the, the Steam marketplace is, the, is where it's at, and the skin marketplace is where it's at. So until they find a way to, to, to sift through the spaghetti code to make it so that they can maintain the skin market the way they want it going into, C into Source 2 and CSGO 2 there's not going to be a sequel there's not going to be anything that risks fucking with the goose that lays the golden eggs so already on that front sorry I hope they don't fuck with it like, yeah, like, yeah exactly. you're right. that's the right angle to take so like just be patient like valve have no reason to rush they're making money hand over fist csgo is still strong worldwide maybe not in north america as we we used to have access to the numbers we actually used to have access to the to the regions 
uh, that were that were playing Counter Strike. So you could see like day to day what the what the total was, but also like the total by region. And it's still very much a Eurocentric game, like hardcore Northern Europe is like the heartland of CS still to this day. So fair enough in terms of like NACS is not great right now. It isn't. It it is struggling. That said, it is still. I mean, I think you do have a point. Like CS is still the real game. It, it's the it's the reason why uh well this is personal anecdote but like this is the reason why you know it's like i played lol back in the day until i found out there was dota and then i was like oh there's dota like this is the real game and i never touch lol again i only if i ever play a moba it's i play dota and it's the same way with csgo it's like why would i bother playing something else when i could play the real game and so i think you have a point there where it's like the the bleed is going to go back the other way um they're like that marketing is so intense on on uh, valorant side as well like literally any cs website almost all of them always have a valorant ad running like they're going hard on that front like they just will not stop trying to pull them away to the point where they ran their world championships on the same weekend as cologne and we still had more viewers than them so it's like you're not you're not taking anything away and, and you're not taking anything away from us it's in fact you know, it's like you're 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 running the risk of running your Valorant event, and then and then people seeing that there's a massive CS:GO event going on. Like, why is why are there two, why are there like two million people tuning in on CS:GO? I got to go watch that. They're not gonna fucking care about your Valorant thing. So everybody knows that CS:GO is the real deal and it's the real game, and so I don't really worry too much about it going anywhere anytime soon. Despite whatever Riot may think, like nobody wants to work with Riot. <laughs> and that, and that's pretty much like that's pretty much where it is. You know, it's like. Uh, do you do you want to work with Riot or not? Especially if they don't offer a franchise model. Because if they don't offer a franchise model, then yeah, that's pretty much it. I think you nailed it. I think if they, that's the only thing that 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 is interesting for North American organizations. Uh, the only reason Cloud Nine are back in the mix is because they could literally pick up like a top eight team in the world, fully formed for them with their back end. Like that's the only reason. If it weren't for that, Cloud Nine wouldn't be touching CS with a ten foot pole because they've they've tried it and failed. So they, without the franchise model, I don't see how it goes. Um, so uh, yeah, I agree. That is actually a really interesting point. I hadn't caught that bit of news yet, but uh, it's actually it's what I, I didn't. I I predicted otherwise. I thought that they would go the same way as they had in the past, where they would allow third parties to build their scene and then just yoink it and say, "Okay, cool. Now now that you've built the scene, great. Now it's all ours." But uh, if they're trying to find some weird hybrid model, that's uh, uh, that's interesting. Okay, kind of about uh, kind of about uh, sums it up, my dude. That's uh, it. Just yeah, do we want to call it a day there? Chris is still in the picture. Oh, still very much in the round. Oh, Chris, he's found three. It's down to a two on two. Chris, can he close this with an ace? Oh my God! He gives him a chance at least, and this CZ kill could be everything. Finally, Zeus, he does something. Looking for a second, he connects it. Oh, and he gets a third as well. Surely he's not going to pull this off. He's already got three. Oh, 